Merry Christmas, Happy fucking New Year's, and take care of yourself, and don't take no shit from anyone. Thank you. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will start a podcast. We've got Chad Cybertooth's girlfriend stuck in a tree, and that's it. Everybody and welcome to No More Room in Hell number 27, also the final episode of 2020. With me, as always, it's Jerry Cortez. Mr. Venom, how are you doing? Greetings and salutations, Evil Dead fans. I'm doing pretty good, Mike. How are you doing? Man, it's that time where we're about to tip over to 2021 and find out just how better or not so better it's going to be, but I'm, I'm hoping for the better. Also joining us, as always, it's Derek. How are you doing, Derek? I'm glad you finally got that right after like 27 episodes, Michael. <laughs> you know? But uh, anyways, it's been pretty good, you know, besides I'm a little bit under the weather, but I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there by the stretcher, and, you know, these movies actually were co- kind of comfort food. Well, one of them anyways, but we'll get into the other one when we get into it. But uh-huh. uh, yeah, but uh, yeah. Fun show, and I can't wait to get into these movies. And you know, it's been a hell of a year. Mm. Yes, it has. It has. So, um, the other thing coming up, probably what in about a week, week and a half's time, will be our top ten uh, twenty twenty releases on Fresh Cuts. So that's something coming soon as well. Uh, but uh, no more room in hell. Yeah, it's our final episode. We just passed Christmas, so we got probably some festive stuff to talk about as well but uh let's open the show with catching up on some stuff we watched so venom you're up first man what do you got um i watched uh one of the movies i watched um obviously being the end of 2020 i'm trying to catch up on a lot of 2020 watches that either i haven't seen or that i saw at the beginning of the year and have to have a rewatch just to refresh my memory um, so let's see. The first movie on my list is a Shutter exclusive from earlier this year. I believe it came out in either April or May, and that would be Z. Um, this is one that I, yeah, this is one that I didn't really jump on right away because, you know, the, the, the imaginary friend gone wrong subgenre has never really been, you know, a, a favorite subgenre of mine, but. I got to say, man, the first two acts of this movie, I actually really enjoyed. I know a lot of people are probably going to, you know, say the same things that they say about a lot of slow burn movies. It's too slow. You know, the pacing is not on point, blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, I like these types of movies, these kind of slow moving haunted house type films, even though this isn't truly a haunted house situation, more of a haunted child. But um, we don't. Unfortunately, we don't really get to see Z very much throughout the film. We get a couple of flash shots of him. And when I say flash, I mean literally like a second or two on the screen before the lights go out or the scene changes. So, And the thing is, too, is that he's in a different form every time we see him. And, you know, one time we see him, he's 
in a much friendlier looking form, not very menacing looking. But then later in the film, you know, he looks like an absolute fucking deadite, uh, demonic <laughs> fucking monster. So, you know, there's that. So I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of Z. But this movie takes a chance with with its third act. And unfortunately, I don't think it worked for me with the third act. We basically get something that we really don't see in these types of movies, and that's someone actually giving in to the imaginary friend or, you know, the, the, the antagonist of the film and actually um, giving in to their demands and doing what they want, you know, for the sake of saving their child. It's something that part of it we've seen before, but the fact that they spend so much time, they basically spend the entire third act with that angle of, you know, one of the family members uh, basically agreeing and letting the imaginary friend basically do what they want for the welfare of their family, it, it left me a little sour. By the time we get to the end of the movie and we get the quote-unquote emotional ending, I don't feel as much because of the choices that some of the characters have made, especially in the third act of this film. So I guess the long and the short of it is if you're into these types of supernatural films, this is going to be an above average movie. I wouldn't call it great by any stretch, but I mean, we've got some decent performances. We've got a good child actor. Um, we get some decent effects, not really a lot, mostly off screen kills, unfortunately, but you know, that that's kind of to be expected in this day and age, especially when it's something like a Shutter exclusive, something that, you know, that they actually created. You know, we don't really expect Shutter to bring the gore, even though they have sometimes in the past. It's not something that we expect from them. So overall, I would probably call Z an above average, you know, haunted house slash creature feature uh, film from earlier this year. Not one that's essential viewing, but it's not the worst hour and a half to be spent. I'm kind of disappointed that it wasn't about Dave Z. <laughs> I would have, I would have rather watched that. Hey, yo, imagine, imagine Dave, Dave Z, Z is. Out, imagine Dave Z coming out from under your bed at night. That would be fucking terrifying. Hey, hey, yo. <laughs> you got those those uh, caramel chews, you know. I wish gets. I could do a Joe Pesci impersonation so I could do a Dave Z, but yeah, I could just see Dave Z coming out from under a kid's bed and commenting on his movie posters. Oh, that movie looks stupid. That movie looks stupid. That movie looks stupid. <laughs> oh, it got like a four point one on IMDb. Fuck that movie. You know? <laughs> oh, we love Dave Z and all his craziness, but you know, it's kind of funny. You know, I wish it was really about him now. Like, hey, yo, you know what you don't do? You don't go to the drive-thru because they fuck you. They fuck you through the drive-thru. <laughs> oh, I wish I could do that upstate New York accent. That's great. But, yeah, hey, Mike, did you uh, you saw Z, right, earlier this year? Yeah, I saw Z. It was probably one that we had a chance to do on Fresh Cuts, but there's just probably other multiple things yeah. in mm-hmm. that time frame. And I, I'm kind of similar to you. It wasn't horrible, but it was nothing like really to seek out unless you're out of other stuff to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, see, even like the details as you were going over it, I was like, Oh yeah. Cause <laughs> I just had forgotten a lot out of it. It's not, yeah, it definitely came out in the first half movie. of the year. So unfortunately it's, it's, it's going to be one of those ones that it's not ultra original. So it's not going to be like sticking out in your mind, especially, you know, six to eight months after you saw it. So I totally understand why most wouldn't remember it right away. (laughs) Yeah. I think I seen it too. It's just a, it's been a while 
Yeah, I, I I don't think the movie leaves enough of an impression with the viewer because of the lack of getting to see the monster Z. Um, we, you know, it, it, maybe if we would have seen him more, maybe if we would if it would have had a more um, visible role, it might have left more of an impression. But because we get to see Z so infrequently, it just kind of turns into a psychological, you know, horror, barely horror, more like a psychological thriller. But still, there there are some decent deaths, even though, like I said, they're off screen. We, we get to see the aftermath, especially the aftermath of the dad of the dad's uh, interaction with Z. I thought that was a cool little um, reveal, but again, we didn't actually see it happen, so it takes a little bit of the power away from that. But I don't know. All in all, like I said, above average. Nothing great. All right. Uh, Derek, let's go to you. What do you got? Uh, I've been rewatching a lot of stuff, too, so I'm going to try to mix it up a little bit and not do every 2020 watch I've been watching, just in case, to keep my list a little bit more secretive for you guys. I like to do it that way, like my thoughts. But I did watch The Cleansing Hour recently, yeah. uh, and I dug the fuck out of it. It was kind of a cool take on, like, a possession movie. You know, I wasn't expecting, like, this, you know, this fake television persona, like, internet media priest that fakes exorcisms. And then all of a sudden, a real exorcist possession happens in the middle of, like, the film. And I wasn't expecting that from this. And, you know, it was kind of a unique twist. And I liked the way that it went through the story. And, you know, that ending was metal as all hell. (laughs) (laughs) I was loving it. The effects by Tom Woodruff Jr. were amazing in the movie. Uh, it, It was just a great ride. It was just a fun ride for me. I really enjoyed that. It was a different, you know, it's always, like, the same possession film over and over again is the ones I'm like, you know, I like to see a little bit of difference in some genres. And that's definitely one of them. It's one of those genres where I like to see a little unique takes on them. Mm-hmm. And this one is definitely a unique take. And I really enjoyed it for that. The the acting, it works for the film. I think, you know, the priest, I, I heard a lot of people saying that he was a terrible actor. I'm like, no, because he's being in fucking comment. He's acting the way that he's, yeah. reacting in the scene like he's supposed to be a fake faker and shit and then yeah. all of a sudden oh what the hell am i supposed to do you know, like and- he wasn't ultimately the priest or you know the, the the perceived priest really wasn't that compelling a character i wish they wouldn't have set him up right from the start to be kind of an asshole douchebag. I would have liked to have seen like a reveal, like maybe for the first act of the film, he actually acts like a priest who actually believes in all the things that he's talking about. And and then in the second act, give us the reveal that, oh no, this is all bullshit. This is just, you know, we're doing this for money. It might have made his ultimate end a little bit more emotional. There might have been more of an emotional impact there, but because he was such an asshole, you don't really feel a whole lot for him. Now, the one thing I do want to praise about this movie is our main female actress. I'm not sure what her name is, but I thought she did a great job as the possessed girl. Um, Whether she was possessed or not, I just, I, I liked her minimalist, makeup design but just the eyes she had these big eyes naturally she had big eyes so when they put the demonic contact lenses into her eyes they looked even bigger and i love that 
Um, but like I said, her performance alone, I thought that was one of the things I was praising on the Fresh Cuts episode we did on that one was uh, her performance. I thought she did a really good job, really compelling, convincing Despite having all these amateurs around her who don't really know what they're doing, they're all playing a role. Um, I honestly thought that she was the highlight of the movie for me. The effects overall is probably the highlight of the movie, but the highlight performance, I would say, is hers. Yeah, I I liked her, too, and, you know, I liked... I actually did like Kyle Galdner as, you know, his friend slash the girl's boyfriend. I've seen him in a few movies, mm-hmm. and it's weird, like... He, he was in like the terrible Nightmare on Elm Street remake, and you know, <laughs> and Jennifer's Body, and it was like we, I'm like, why, why does this guy look familiar? And I'm like, oh shit, it's that dude, you know. But yeah, Tom Woodrow, always loved his effect. I actually talked about him on the Santa Claus trilogy show on Cinema Attack because he did all the effects for the reindeer and shit for the hat. So it was kind of weird. I watched those back to back. I'm like, whoa, that's kind of cool. But yeah, I had a blast with it either way. You know, acting's acting i don't really judge horror movies on acting because you know i would hate every friday the 13th movie if that was the case, you, know? you know so uh, that's so, valid yeah i mean i'm i'll always bring it up just you know I'm, i mean i'm basically a glorified film critic so yeah i'll bring it up if i don't like the acting in it but it's rare that i'm gonna pan a movie specifically for it, its acting. It, it has to really really fucking bother me to it has to be very, very noticeable for me to actually bring it up as a thing that really brings it out of me. Like, you know, if it's like something with a little bit of production and good entertainment, and even like if the story is interesting enough, it will keep me intrigued, you know, and and that's strange. But yeah, you know, and that was what this movie was for me anyways, you know, I think they all did good for what they had. And, you know, it, it elevated with like the effects and, other things within the movie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I, I had a blast with the movie. I thought it was great. It's probably a top three possession movie for 2020 for me. Cause this year we actually had a couple of really good ones, specifically metamorphosis out of South Korea was my absolute favorite exorcism film of the year. Uh, spoiler alert. We might see that in my top 10, who knows, but yeah. Um, uh, like Derek was saying, The Cleansing Hour, really fun movie. If you haven't seen it and you have access to a Shutter account, check it out. It's a fun ass movie. Hell yeah! <laughs> I know Mike. Yeah, I, yeah, I had a lot of fun with it too. I love when movies manage to take like kind of like a familiar premise but put it in a new setting that you haven't seen before. And I thought it was really effective, and I liked where the movie went. And overall, yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, I guess, brings me to my first one. So I'm going with a Christmas-themed <laughs> thing here, and that would be the Creepshow Christmas special. Um, I don't know if both one or both of you have seen it, but, man, I had a blast with this. Much the opposite of, what was the other one? Was it the Halloween anime yeah, special? Yeah, the Halloween one. That that was gets, I, I feel like the Halloween one is getting unduly panned um i will fully admit uh, that the the two episodes in the halloween special aren't the most original things out there there's no real swerve like there's no mystery they're very straightforward stories right from the beginning you can kind of see the ending coming a mile away 
Uh, but I loved them. I I think I was definitely in the minority on the Halloween special. I I actually liked both stories. I loved. I, I thought they were. You know, one of them was a very subtle, quiet type of horror with just a guy by himself. And then, of course, the Circus of the Dead gave me exactly what I would expect from a short called the Circus of the Fucking Dead. So I had no complaints about the original, despite a lot of other people having them. Yeah, yeah. The thing with yeah, the Halloween, I didn't think oh. they were horrible. Yeah. Oh, no, I was just gonna say I didn't think they were horrible. I, I I've had fun with them. I thought they were okay, but yeah, definitely a lot of people just disliked them like a lot. Yeah. And I can see why they disliked them. They were, like I said, they weren't the most original stories out there. They didn't really have much mystery to them, much of a swerve. There was no twists. They were all, or both stories were very straightforward. I thought they were both pretty well written, pretty well performed. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I think I just liked it way more than most people. And then, of course, Christmas. I'm right there with you. Christmas special knocked it out of the park. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I love that, uh, you know, it starts off kind of bizarre to begin with. We have like a Shapeshifters Anonymous or some variation on that. And you're already like, okay, this is going to be kind of weird and cool. And then as they're citing like their oaths, it's like, oh, yeah, and we hate Chris Kringle. And he's like, what? (laughs) And things really take a turn. And I'm just, I'm just glad they like fully embraced the the bizarre, you know, the bizarreness of it. And then we got a really cool showdown um, for like the last half of the episode. So I I was really impressed with it. Nice, yeah, it was pretty good from what I remember. I was kind of tipsy when I was watching. <laughs> <laughs> I was very tipsy, but yeah, I did enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I actually ended up throwing it on a second time. I think it was Christmas Eve because I was uh, cooking with the kids kids i think we were making cookies or something and i was like man i need something i can just throw on that i don't really have to like pay full attention to so i was like i'll throw that on again and yep it was still really cool Uh, okay all right uh back to you venom all right so um sticking with my theme of going back and watching 2020 movies that I missed the first time, and once again going back to Shutter for one of their um, exclusives that would be The Beach House. Um, the Beach House, when I first read about it, when it was first released, it, it just sounded like a really subtle story that I, I wasn't really 100% sure that it would interest me. And then, I, and then I finally watched it last week. Holy shit, am I mad at myself. I fucking love this movie. This was the shocker of the year for me as far as a movie that I skipped and may actually end up in my top ten. I I can't get over that, that I missed this the first time. But, yeah, incredible performances. You know, basically we have a a young couple going and uh, spending um, some time at, at of course, the titular beach house. Um, Unfortunately, they don't actually have permission of – to be there from the owner. Uh, the owner actually it turns out to be the father of the uh, young protagonist, the male protagonist in the movie. But he, uh, you know, he and his girlfriend go, they, they go there without his permission. And when they get there, there's already a couple staying there. And, you know, the, the wackiness just kind of ensues from there. Once, you know, uh, the water starts getting, uh, almost a oily, a little thick, if you will, and then suddenly these odd creatures start coming out uh, from the beach. 
Uh, I say odd creatures. I don't necessarily mean my like monsters, but just like these weird jellyfish-looking things that are about the standard size of a jellyfish, but they definitely look more Lovecraftian than your standard jellyfish. And I, I, I'd probably be comfortable in calling the beach house a very Lovecraftian story. Um, you know, the lack of explanation of what these things are coming out of the ocean, and then the final girl's kind of acceptance of what's about to happen, and, and almost welcoming it at the very end. So, um, yeah, that's The Beach House on Shudder. Um, definitely more of an artistic horror film. You know, you're not getting a blood uh, a blood fest. Um, in fact, most of the kills in the movie are fairly bloodless, if I remember correctly. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's definitely more one of those, you know, high-end artistic type of horror films. So, again, anybody who knows me knows that I love that kind of, you know, the, if you will, A24 style of horror. And, and The Beach House absolutely worked for me. I will definitely give that another rewatch before I put my top 10 together because that's a very viable contender at this point. Uh, Mike, I know you saw The Beach House. What did you think of that one? Yeah, I mean, it was a good slow build. This is another one that's kind of like divided people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think where it went, it was good. I mean, it's definitely you can tell that it's a lower budget where they're working with like the funds they have. I thought, you know, there was a completely gross scene involving a foot (laughs) later on it that was really effective. And I think something like that becomes effective because you're not getting tons of stuff throughout the movie that, you know, softens the big punch later on. And, you know, I, I thought the movie was effective. I definitely would have to watch it again to see if it would be in contention just because this is one of those years where I really feel like I have like probably like, a really strong five that aren't going anywhere. And then the rest of the list is, is going to be hard just because there's so many movies like, oh. you know, within millipoints of each other. Sure, but sure. I did like the beach house. Yeah. It's, it's another one of those ones that just slipped through the cracks on fresh cuts. Yeah. But I, I did enjoy it. Currently my top 10 is sitting at 16 selections. I actually have a lot of good stuff rated like 8.5 or above and obviously we don't rate on the shows but i do rate personally so i can put my list together at the end of the year and yeah i've got a good 15 16 titles and i'm still not done there's still some 2020 titles um like the spell and the call that i i still haven't seen that i need to check out so I, I probably still have at least four to six more 2020 watches um, left to watch before I can really, you know, be confident that I have the best top ten that I can have. But yeah, the Beach House was a pleasant surprise, and if anybody else has slept on this movie the way I did, yeah, check it out. It's uh, once again, it's on Shutter. So if you got access to a Shutter account, check that shit out. Derek, did you get a chance to see this one? It's actually in my queue to watch after nice. this episode. So, uh, <laughs> there you go. yeah, so I'm glad you guys kept a little spoiler free of that one. So, good shit. So, uh, oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it sounds cool from what I hear from it, from what, the way you described it. It, it's, it sounds like up my alley. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, like I said, slow burn, not incredibly long, if I remember correctly. It might right, be right around 90 minutes. Um, you know, good production value. Obviously, they're shooting on a beach, so, you know, it, it's easy to get nice cinematography when you have such a beautiful locale. So the movie looks nice. The nighttime shots look good. Um, 
you know, what little effects are in the movie all look great. I, I have very little complaints about the movie. I, I, I know pacing is probably once again going to be a big issue for some people because admittedly not a whole lot happens in the first couple of acts. But, you know, once it gets once it gets going, you know, especially the old couple, once the old couple starts to lose their shit, it, it turns into a much more fun movie. Cool. <laughs> All right, Derek, back to you. Uh, I watched the greatest Christmas movie of all time on Christmas Day, and that, of course, is Santa's Sleigh, <laughs> starring the epic Bill Goldberg. The I old just, Jewish Santa. Yeah, it's a, it's actually ironic how many Jewish people are actually in the movie. You know, you got like half the cast in the beginning and the cameos and shit. Yep. You know, it's kind of funny in that aspect. And you even have like Sal Rubinek as like a deli he owns a Jewish deli, and it's kind of funny. <laughs> he gets killed with a menorah. Yeah, poor guy. <laughs> I always love Sal Rubinek, and he's like a good character actor. He's like, in, he played like that coked out producer in True Romance that I loved, and the writer in Unforgiven. You know, it, it, it's a fun movie. You know, the thing that I like about Santa Slay, too, it's a fast movie because it's only like an hour and like 18 minutes. Gets right to the point. Has a great scene where, like, he kills people in a strip club with a stripper's pole. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. And you got even got, like, a cameo by Dave Thomas as fucking a priest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's just a fun movie for yeah. what it is, you know. It just gets right to the point. Gets to the message. And it's just a blast. You know, it's a Christmas time tradition, that movie. Where you got yeah. like Goldberg does great in the role, just giving cheesy one-liners, which makes sense for the type of movie it is. You know, yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, you know I yeah, just, I like, love. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I absolutely love those just fun, you, you know, uh, Christmas horror films like Santa's Sleigh and Jack Frost, which we did last year for our Christmas commentary. I mean. Those are some fun-ass movies to get together with your friends and watch. So, you know, Santa's Slay, I'm not going to sit here and call it a great movie. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to try to talk up too much of it and try to convince people that it's got stellar writing or stellar performances. No, it's just a fucking fun movie. It's got some great kills. I mean, the opening scene alone is worth the price of admission. That's got to be one of the most epic direct-to-video horror movie opening scenes ever, as far as far as star power goes and acting chops and everything else. That opening scene is absolutely epic. So yeah, I will. I, that's not a that's not an annual watch for me. Like I actually didn't watch it this year for whatever reason, but. When when I do think of it, and you know, if I'm looking for something to drink a few beers and just for you know me and the wife to just have a good time, Santa Slay is an obvious pick for us. Oh, for sure, definitely, because you know he just kills people with he uses a fucking Christmas star as a ninja star. It's amazing. <laughs> yep. Mike, Mike, what you, have you ever seen that before? Yeah, I would say this is the type of movie where that epic opening dinner scene, if if you're not on board at that point, just turn it off because that's the kind of movie you're going to get. And it's hilarious. And I agree with Venom. It's like that's you're uh, getting a little faded and <laughs> turn this movie on. And I think it delivers on those promises. Oh, it's, it's fucking hilarious. He drives a giant buffalo. It's amazing. <laughs> it shoots fireballs. It's fucking the greatest thing I've ever seen. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a movie where in theory, like when you probably when it was when people first heard it was coming out, there was like no way it was going to be good. And then you're like, wow, this is actually pretty funny. <laughs> it's because it's so serious horror fans that are like, yeah, I don't want to watch that. I want to watch art house movies. There's a place for all of it, but ultimately there's still a place for these kind of cheesy horror films. Like, you know, like we said, the Jack Frost and Satan's Slay of the world. I mean, they're fun. Ultimately, you don't go into this movie looking to hand out any Oscars. You know, you go into this yeah. movie with a couple of beers, a couple of friends, and you're just looking to have a good time. And for that, I'd give the movie a 10 out of 10 because I have a fucking good time every single time I watch it. And that's a rare thing. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, the, um, the the horror snobs can talk down about the movie all they want. And the thing is, the funny thing is, too, is I kind of consider myself a horror snob, but I still love these fun movies, these shut off your brain and just, you know, especially with Mike and I doing fresh cuts every single week. We're constantly watching new horror. We're constantly critiquing stuff with a fine tooth comb. And it's just so nice to be able to shut off your brain, throw on a Krampus or a Santa sleigh and just have a blast with, uh, you know, whoever happens to be around. Or if you're just chilling by yourself, as unfortunately I spend many evenings alone as Mrs. Venom works nights. I have a couple of libations and a fun movie and it's a great night every time. Yeah. Did I ever mention I also watched Greta recently? <laughs> it was fucking like, okay i'm leaving no i shut it off because i'm like why does chloe grace Moretz look like a fat orlando bloom right now <laughs> she looks like a giant fat retired legolas in that movie it did make her look chubby in that movie i wonder why uh, like even on the poster like why does she look like a fat elf oh, that's funny <laughs> uh, but anyways that's about it uh, what else you got, Mike? All right. Uh, next on my list, I am going. Man, this one, I'll admit, it's not really a horror movie, but it is Christmas, and uh, this is kind of an offbeat Christmas movie. Something I, I'm pretty sure Derek saw it. I'm not sure if you have yet, Venom, but uh, it stars one of the more controversial figures in Hollywood now. Uh, it had to be fat, man. Um, man, this movie was fucking weird, but pretty cool. Uh, uh, basically Mel Gibson playing like a old Santa seems like on the verge of retirement. And, uh, there's this like rich bratty kid that, uh, hires like a, you know, all world hitman to murder him. And it's basically, be like Santa defending himself, and uh, man, I, I had no idea what to expect going into this because when I first saw the trailer, I was like, "What the hell is this?" It's one of those movies that it's either gonna be really good or really bad, and I fall on the really good side. Like I was actually surprised how much I liked it. Um, it, it packs a punch. There's some visceral violence in it, and uh, Mel Gibson. He's one of those guys where it's like if you know, obviously, as a person, he is who he is. But when you put him in the right role, he's still fucking awesome on the screen. And, man, I had a lot of fun with this. It's still 
somewhat new, so it's like I don't want to get into every little detail about it, but I I would highly recommend if you're looking for something like, you know, winter Christmas themed that is obviously new, something way different from mostly what you've probably seen before, I recommend Fat Man. Have either of you guys seen it? I have. I have what not. What do you think? But based on your description, it sounds like Lobo, the movie without Lobo, which if, <laughs> if it comes off awesome. the same as the comic book series, I'm okay with that. It's pretty awesome. And, you know, Walter Goggins as the hitman. Uh, I always like Walter Goggins. It, and every, even like in bad movies, his roles are always interesting. And it's a really interesting movie. And, you know, it's kind of interesting uh, who Mrs. Claus is in the movie. I, I don't want to kind of. So it's kind of an interesting aspect that you don't really see, and you're like, wow, they did that. They went there, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I have not seen it yet, like I said, but I will definitely be checking it out. Um, obviously, I'm trying to concentrate on horror for the last couple of weeks of the year into the first week of 2021. So I will definitely be checking that out, though. But yeah, like I said. <laughs> Just based on the description, it sounds like Lobo the movie, but instead of uh, Lobo, it's uh, Goggins. So, eh, I'm okay with that. I'll check it out. (laughs) Cool. All right, what do you got for your third one? All right, for me, the last uh, 2020 movie, or at least I think the last one that we'll talk about today... Um, and what the hell? Let's let's finish off the trifecta. I've already talked about two Shutter exclusives. We might as well throw a third one in there. This is going to be the 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 Stroke Shutter's ego segment of the of the No More Room in Hell. So bear with me. Uh, but the third movie today is going to be another um, movie that is available on Shutter right now. I'm not sure if it's a Shutter exclusive or if it's just available there. But either way, it is a vampire movie with a very Nazi uh, kind of backdrop. I think Mike may have spoken about this on a previous episode, but um, this is another one that I kind of got on the <laughs> no no uh, no pun intended. I got on the boat a little late, and that is Blood Vessel, um, which is the story of some um, some Allied soldiers and uh, one scientist with a with a female assistant where they are the survivors of a U-boat accident where their boat is basically um, shot down. They get The movie starts out with them in a life raft, and they find a derelict and abandoned uh, Nazi war vessel just floating with no crew, nobody at the helm, blah, blah, blah. And the mystery just kind of goes off from there. Um, it's not much of a surprise if you read the uh, the synopsis on IMDb, but it is a vampire film. They're, um, specifically, they are called the Strogoi, which is basically a Russian version of an immortal, you know, savage beast like a vampire. If if you've never if you've never heard of the Strogoi, uh, look up some stuff. There's lots of really cool videos on YouTube about them. Um, they're not exactly like vampires, but they're very, very similar to vampires, both in rules and appearance. So, um, fun movie, some decent gore. Once again, not really going to change the world, but the fact that it's set during World War II with Ally and Nazi forces kind of trying to work together, uh, you know, to to 
overcome this vampire threat that's on the ship or the Stragoi threat that is on the ship. So this was fun. Like I said, worth seeing if you're a fan of vampire, you know, type of mortal monster movies. Uh, check this one out. It was fun, very well made, very well performed. Most of the performances were very well done. Nobody's acting really took me out of the film at any point. There is obviously there's one American like douchebag who's got to be, you know, the voice of dissent at every turn. He gets annoying, but luckily he doesn't last long in the film. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so um, without getting too much farther into it, yeah, that is Blood Vessel uh, from this year, 2020, currently available on Shudder. Uh, Mike, I know you saw Blood Vessel. You're the one who told me about it. Yeah, I saw it about several months earlier in the year. Yeah, I think it's it another out- kind of situation with Z where, yeah, exactly. Some of the details... I'd have to watch it again, but I remember overall liking it. I liked where the movie went. I thought it was another interesting premise, and I was pretty pleased with it. Another one that's kind of like probably going to be bordering uh, somewhere, maybe. Maybe just not on the list. Maybe just on the list. I don't know, man. It's, I mean, it's yeah, this was a years. fun movie. I'm not sure if uh, it's really a contender for me. Because, I mean, that's the best I could say is that it was a fun movie that was fairly well made. I did like the creature design on the creatures, all three of them, including, you know, their daughter, who, you know, you're not aware is a Stragoi right away. Uh, but, yeah, I really I really like that one. Uh, Derek, did you get a chance to check out Blood Vessel? Yeah, I reviewed it the last show. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense then. (laughs) Yeah, I I knew you guys both saw it before I had. Like I said, all three of my movies this week uh, for what we've been watching are basically 2020 movies that I missed out on the first time. But I want to make sure that the listeners, you know, if if you guys are doing the the 2020 scramble like we are, I wanted to point out these two or three movies that I thought would definitely be worth your time. So, yeah, I really dug it from what I remember. I like the aspect where the, like the only star that I knew died in the first five minutes of the movie. Yep. <laughs> the, the dude from like the Meg, the doctor from the Meg. Yep. <laughs> it was like, oh, it's that guy, and then bam, gets fucking. Well, it's not really a spoiler because it happens in the first five minutes of the movie. He yeah. gets killed by the fucking boat propellers. It's fucking great. <laughs> Chopped up, loved it. <laughs> He's like, that's when my paycheck ends. <laughs> hey, he had an easy job. Good for I him. Know. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah, I liked it though. It was pretty fun and unique for like that type of like yeah. boat horror. You know, you don't really see vampires on a boat. Yep. You know. Very true. Um. All right. Derek. Here. Yeah, I was like, I was like, wait. Sometimes when like the person who's next ends up talking last about the previous movie, I'm like, oh yeah, wait, it's still their turn too. <laughs> so, Derek, what do you got for the third? Uh, I watched Day of the Lord, another possession movie. This one's on Netflix. Uh, really dug it. Again, actually, some unique possession movies coming out this year. You know, in the sense where they're just different, and I like the aspects of them. That. And very interesting, this one's, of course, Spanish also, which actually kind of made me interested more in it, because, you know, you never really get to see a lot of Spanish-produced possession films. There's a few out there. But, uh, yeah, I dug it. Great performances, great location. I like the set design of, like, the house that this takes place in. And, uh, yeah, it just goes in the places you never see, and it's fucking nuts. It gets nuts. (laughs) 
fucking great. <laughs> uh, I agree. Fucking Day of the Lord gets pretty wild. This is one I think I was going to bring up to do on Fresh Cuts, but it must have been like a week where like something more major hit that I didn't want to like put off. But, man, <laughs> once this movie gets going, some of the things that happen during like all the exorcism stuff involving some of the characters... I was kind of sitting there like, wow, I really hope like no one else walks into the room right now because <laughs> it's getting pretty <laughs> crazy and over the top. I think there was one point I was almost laughing at like where they went in some places. Um, but yeah, I had fun with it too. I think it's it's a pretty entertaining movie and another one where you know it, it kind of brought a little something new to exorcism movies that I appreciated. Mm-hmm. I have not seen this. Uh, do you do you guys know where it's available? It's Netflix. Um, Netflix. Netflix. Oh, it's Netflix. Even better. I yeah. I already know what I'm watching tonight. Then. Yeah, you know, you like you. Let's just say Spanish productions. You know, it's like, oh, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one must have slipped my radar. Uh, Mike, Mike must be right. Something else must have been dropped right around the same time because. Um, I think I remember hearing about it briefly when it came out, but never again since then. So I'm glad you liked it. I'll check it out. Yeah, yeah. and I've noticed like Netflix kind of sometimes they'll have this habit of like Let's drop they'll drop shit, like two know? or three new movies at once, and yeah. it's like if we're already doing one for Fresh Cuts, we'll focus on that one, and I'll f- accidentally forget about the other ones unless like someone in the Fresh Cuts chat actually says they watched it and to re- and to check it out so it could have been the case too because i think i want to say the week that day of the lord came out there was either a, another netflix one or we did something from shutter that's and the one we, I, that's the time when you did fucking vampires versus the bronx which i also oh God, watched was it? no <laughs> no and I, I also watched that that movie's fucking awful mike what the fuck <laughs> it's funny i i feel the same way but i also felt like i was in the minority because it seemed like most people kind of like that movie. I mean, no one was really praising it like it was a, an amazing film, but I think most people liked it more than I did. I just uh, didn't like it because it was so cliche and there was so much off-screen death. It was not very yeah. bloody. You know, for yeah. a vampire movie, there wasn't a lot of blood, but again, it's a, it's more of a family film, so I kind of have to accept that. Yeah, like, like even in Attack of the Block, which didn't bitch out on that shit, fucking was better than that fucking piece of shit. <laughs> you know, at least you get to see like kids getting their heads fucking bitten off and spit it at them in that right. movie. This movie sucked. Fuck off, Mike. You should have did the other movie. <laughs> I, I don't even remember what the other movie was. Supposed I think to it was like anymore. the Binding. Oh, uh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't think that one ended up being very good either. Yeah, yeah, it would have been funnier. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, all right. Fucking Michael. All right. So for my third one. So here, yeah, uh, here's a 2020 that normally I try to avoid on here just because of like potential to do it on fresh cuts. But since that won't be happening for the remainder of this year, it's, it's free and clear to bring up 2020s like we have it. And this one is what lies below. And that's not to be confused with what lies beneath that. Harrison Ford, Michelle Pfeiffer movie from I didn't like, kill my wife. Ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not your wife. <laughs> um, so this one, uh, have you guys even heard of this? 
Oh yeah. What lies below? Um, I haven't seen basic, it. But heard of it? Okay. I heard yeah. It, so I haven't seen either. General premise: Girl coming. I believe it's like her first year of college. She's coming home back from for her break, and her mom, played by Mina Savari, is uh, like head over heels in love with this guy. You know, it's like the perfect wait, boyfriend, wait, whatnot. Wait, wait, Mike, Mike, Mike. You know how old you just made me feel when you said the mom's played by Mina Savari. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what the hell? What happened? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, the well, thing? You know I'm what? assuming I, she's she's probably around my age, so to have a college age kid. <laughs> I mean, I I still can't believe Winona Ryder is almost fifty or is fifty. I, I I mean, I know it. You know, considering she's been around the entire time I've been around, like you know, I've been a fan of hers since I was like ten, probably when she was just a little bit older. But yeah. something about like I've always looked at her as that young actress, and she's never made the turn. She's never made the turn that Juliette Lewis made because you know how Juliette Lewis was always playing youthful roles, and then suddenly out of nowhere she started taking mom roles. Um, even though Winona Ryder is famously the mom on Stranger Things, I still, I don't know, when I look at her, I see a 15-year-old girl. <laughs> uh, yeah, the thing with Julia Lewis, she always played that girl that was like the taboo girl where you're like, you know, she's, she's got, she's, she's kind of like her exotic looking and I kind of want to fuck the shit out of her right now and like all these movies like Natural Born Killers where she's like just being flaunty and weird and, you know, yeah. it's like, and then now she's the mom figure and like ma. I'm okay with natural born killers because uh, her being a killer in the movie, there's a little bit of a lore there, of an allure there. But I, I'm thinking more like California, where she literally looks like she's 12. Oh know? yeah, and like Cape Fear. Cape yeah, Fear is exactly. Like, Cape Fear. It's another one. Yeah, but I mean, at least in Cape Fear, she's playing a child. Whereas yeah. in California, I mean, she might be playing a child anyway in California, <laughs> but obviously running away from home, you know, and, and, you know, having a relationship with that psycho that Brad Pitt played, you know, makes her seem a little bit older, but yeah, there are some shots where you look at her and she looks like an underdeveloped teenage girl. It's like, I, but why do you think they cast her in the other sister? Yeah. Very true. Very true. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, so basically, yeah. Boyfriend too good to be true. Obviously, some uh, peculiar things start taking place with him in just a situation, and then it kind of turns into like her trying to figure out what exactly is going on. And I gotta say, the reviews for this one were all over the place. Most people I talk to, like you know, our podcasting circles, haven't seen it, so I I didn't really get a chance to like get much um, opinions of it going in to it it was kind of late at night and it's only i think 84 minutes so i was like all right this is something i can watch at night and uh i actually kind of liked it it got like the conclusion's pretty dark like i wasn't expect like I, for some reason i thought like they were gonna like oh let's go this certain route with wrapping things up and no 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 it went like the exact opposite and i think we yeah when we're talking about how actors how how much like older some of them are sometimes i'll make the mistake where like like an actress like mina savari so she's in like american beauty and american pie movies like right it, in the late 90s so i'm almost thinking her character's age is her age so i'm like oh yeah she's probably this 
this old now, but I'm like, actually, no, because she was probably in her like early 20s playing like a teenager. But yeah, she, she still doesn't seem old enough to have a college age kid in the movie. But, you know, get get beyond that. And uh, I, I actually did end up liking this movie. I would say, I don't know. I, I would, Venom, and you guys, since you guys are both, if you're still doing a 2020 blitz, I would throw it in there just to see. I, I think it's one of those, you know, I don't want to get too much into it, but I think that you guys will like it, whether it's like a contender or not, that's going to come down to the individual, but I I would still recommend it. Nice. Yeah. I'll check it out. You know, I like Mina Savari, you know, the movie I always think about is spun the fucking crystal meth movie. (laughs) Oh God. Yeah. I love that movie with a passion. It's like, it's all dirty and grimy and everyone's just gross. And it's fucking great. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right. Well, do we have any bonus watches we want to bring up? Since well, I brought up show? fucking Felf, the Fat Elf movie, a.k.a. Greta. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can keep going, but there's no real need to. I, I don't think I'm really opening anybody's eyes with my picks. Like I said, I'm just watching stuff from the first half of the year that I missed. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much... I kind of want to keep some of my 2020 watches secret, just in, just in case. You know, I, I kind of want to talk about them when we actually do that show, Mike. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That I mean, that's that's a good idea. Um, I did accidentally watch half a Hellraiser because it came on Tubi after Wither was over. <laughs> Which one was it? Inferno? I uh, no, Hellraiser. <laughs> oh, the I was first watching, was a... Yeah, the first one. I, I I was watching Wither on Tubi, and then I like left the room after it was over, and I came back and like. The Hellraiser title was coming up. I was like, "Oh well, I'm not. I might not watch it, but I'm not going to turn it off." And then, like an hour later, oh, I'm still sitting here watching Hellraiser. Okay, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's pretty much. I mean, the last you know couple of weeks have been busy with all sorts of like family stuff and holidays. Yeah, so I much the same I haven't. Too. There's been plenty of days where I, I intended to watch lots of movies and. Next thing you know, it's night, and I'm like, fuck, I haven't watched shit. <laughs> yeah, it's the same with me, too. Like, Christmas happened, and I'm like, I'm going to watch a movie tonight. Never happened. Never happened. And I had to watch the two movies for tonight. You know, it's like, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> Got to watch Primal. And I'm like, then I finish Primal. We'll get into it. And I'm like, oh, God. But okay. Ah. <laughs> uh-huh. All right, well, if that's going to wrap up what we watched, we will transition right into some news. Not a ton of news. Uh, I don't know if it's just holiday when, season. Let, let me oh, guess. Yeah. Let me guess. Bill Goldberg got cast as Freddy Cougar. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be interesting. <laughs> um, let's see what I got. It's mostly like video game and TV show stuff. Alien show coming to Hulu supposedly, where it's going to be set on Earth. Now, of I'll course, it's it being advertised as the first time on Earth. Uh, now, one of the, I guess the the Alien Predator movies aren't 
considered canon, right? Because wasn't one of those. I thought on they Earth? were, but I don't know. I don't know. That, that whole fucking franchise is fucking confusing. It's, it's as confusing as the Halloween franchise at this point. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like to think of the alien, like alien canon, as just being the actual alien franchise. Like, I don't include. And I could be wrong, I don't know, but I would say the Alien Predators are almost like an alternate world. Honestly, I just wish they just fucking gave Neil Bloomkamp his fucking Alien fucking script and yeah. actually make it at this point. Fuck everything else. Kinda, yeah, actually. Yeah, and I don't know, I just find the Aliens to be... It, I think it's just better when it's set in space. I, I think yeah. that whole gimmick is just... It's yeah. more interesting to me. Um, okay, next. Uh, Evil Dead video game coming. Had to, have you guys seen the trailer for that? I have yep, not. Yep. I saw it today, yeah. So, there's kind of two camps forming around this, because it kind of looks like a Left 4 Dead game with Evil Dead skin. Is that the vibe you got from watching that trailer? Uh, of what? Say that, that again? It, it, it kind of feels like a Left 4 Dead type game, but with Evil I can see that, yeah. Stuff. I mean, um, it, it shouldn't really be a horde-type game, since, I mean, in Evil Dead, there were never really hordes of these things. I, I mean, I guess Army of Darkness, you can make the argument, but I don't know. Um, I'm not ultra-excited, and I say that from personal experience, because I actually have already worked on an Evil Dead video game, um, Evil Dead Degeneration, from back in 2006, I was a uh, I was a QA engineer on that title, and we were all very excited about it because we actually had like the voice of Ted Raimi in the game, um, uh-huh. and we had a great uh, Bruce Campbell impersonator. We couldn't get the man himself, and we were all pretty excited about the game. And then it came out, and it just kind of flopped. And you know, despite all our excitement, you know, both from horror fans and gaming fans, it really didn't do much. Now, obviously, we're talking 2006, you know, technology is advanced. I'm still going to get the game regardless. Um, I, I, I still I still haven't bought a fucking game. I, 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 you know, I spent $1,200 on brand new consoles over the last uh, month, and I've yet to buy a game for them because I'm broke because of Christmas, obviously. So... On top of the fact that there's no real, you know, other than maybe Spider-Man, there's no real must-have launch title uh, on this generation, for whatever that's worth. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I'll still get it, but I'm kind of curbing my excitement, just because I've lived it once already. <laughs> and I like that game you worked on. That's a shame. I liked it, too. I mean, it's not a great game. It doesn't reinvent the wheel by any stretch, but I thought it was fun. I thought you it have- had voice acting. Yeah, Ted Raimi is a little midget deadite. That you exactly, yeah, the little, the little deadite. That's what we thought. We thought that that little deadite was going to be huge, that he was going to become like uh, somebody in the cinematic universe, that maybe that, that was a character that they could maybe bring in later, because we purposely wanted Ted Raimi to play that role, like I said, with the intention of making it a recurring character, but unfortunately, never worked out that way. They suck. People <laughs> suck. I blame Mike Merriman. Yeah, gamers are fickle. <laughs> well, I remember Fistful of Boomstick was really good, and then yeah. Hail of the King was like okay. Um, yeah, but but those actually had single player campaign. You know, there was like a storyline and everything. The the trailer to the new one, it, it kind of makes it seem like you know it's along the lines of like a Friday the Thirteenth game or yeah. 
Dead by Daylight or Left for Dead. I hope not. Like, I'll probably still get it just because it looks fun. But the, the main thing about those types of games to me is, like, they're much better when you're actually playing with friends, like, co-op than just playing with yeah. strangers. Um, just because, like, I'd rather talk to my friends playing the game than just random people who are just going to be boring or, you know, they're not going to form some strategy. Everyone's just going to run out and do their own thing and get killed anyway. Yep. We'll, we'll find out, though. Maybe, maybe. Either just... way, I'll get it. I'll, I'll let everybody know how it is. I'm one yeah, of those gamer tools. <laughs> it's kind of cool that they have characters from, like, the whole franchise because the ones featured in the trailer was Ash, of course, uh, Kelly from Ash vs. Evil Dead, and then the the main night guy from Army of Darkness. And I think the fourth one was like the, his friend in Evil Dead 2. Now, now, the cool thing was if you could be Henrietta and just float around the rooms and shit. <laughs> great. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd imagine like if Kelly's in it, then maybe Pablo will be like an unlockable character. Oh, I'm sure there'll be more than this four. They should yeah. have like 15 Ted Raimi's from Army of Darkness. You could have my steel. You could have my axe. <laughs> Played like 15 different characters in that movie. It's fucking amazing. Maybe they'll unlock <laughs> Eric the Red and, and <laughs> Linda. <laughs> you live uh, in a barn. Oh, wait, you do live in a barn. <laughs> uh, in other gaming news coming to the Switch next year, Ghost and Goblins, a uh, new one. I think it's called Resurrection. So, like, I when I made my post about it, that's going to be the greatest first level that I never get past because uh, <laughs> it's super hard. Yeah, I, I'm playing the original Ghosts and Goblins and I'm like, fuck this game. Yeah. Fuck it up its ass. I know. I'm like, how the hell did I play these? <laughs> it's difficult. It looks beautiful, you know, on, on the Switch, but I'm like, man, it's going to be frustrating to have this nice, brand new, awesome looking game and I can't get past the first fucking level. Then your kids play it and they beat it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Laughing at me the whole time. <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> you suck. I bet you couldn't beat Mario. <laughs> um, all right. And my, the last bit of news I have, uh, they are working, or David Gordon Green supposedly uh. is working on a... Exorcist sequel for Bloomhouse. Uh, okay, a, why? Why are they doing this? Fuck, and B, man. the actual Fox TV show was kind of almost a sequel, if you think about it. It was a sequel. It was a direct fucking sequel. It was written. Yeah. And <laughs> I just have a feeling like they managed to do something better on that show than we're going to get out of a movie sequel. I just, I just have this feeling. And I'm wondering if this means another situation where they're like, oh, let's retcon everything that's happened after... No. The original Exorcist, because that's like you know the hot trend now. Like, well, oh. the hot trend would be calling it the Exorcist. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> uh, the, the hot trend is to make two prequels at the same time. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. Oh god, yeah. As soon as I read that blurb, <laughs> god. Yeah. As soon as I read that blurb about uh, the director and Exorcist, I'm just like, fuck you. I'm I, any director that takes that job, I'm boycotting. I don't care if it's Flanagan. I don't care if it's Ari Aster. I, I'm I'm proclaiming this right now. The director that takes that fucking job, you're dead to me. You're fucking dead to me forever. And I don't care if it's a paycheck. I don't care if you have a family to support. You have the unmitigated fucking balls to think that you can improve on one of the greatest horror films ever made. 
fuck Bloomhouse and fuck whatever director takes that movie. Brant over. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, and you know Bloomhouse's model, you know, it'll get that five to ten million dollar and look like every other Bloomhouse movie. Uh, and they'll take something that was an original franchise and just put it through the Bloomhouse manufacturing formula, basically. Exactly. And take, that's not even that's not even a knock on Bloomhouse necessarily because it's not that Bloomhouse doesn't produce anything good. They do, but when they try to do certain things like this, it's just like no. It just doesn't fucking make sense. It's like I said, whether you hate the original Exorcist or love it, it's an amazing film. It's 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 a stellar you know um, piece of cinematic history. You know, Friedkin knocked it out of the fucking park. Every actor in that movie knocked it out of the fucking park. Like I said, how pretentious do you have to be to think, oh, I could make this better? Yeah, okay. Go remake Citizen Kane, too, in Lawrence of Arabia, uh, if, if you're such a fucking, you know, great director. I Like I said, I, I just think it's hubris. It's fucking hubris if a director takes that job. So, like I said... I'm I'm sticking to that. I'm I'm absolutely sticking to it. Whatever director takes that job, I am fucking done with them, and I'm never watching their movies again. Bah. Well, some you know, some time in 2021, we'll have to do the update to the story when Bloomhouse has decided to make it PG-13. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. That that's another episode you get to do by yourself because I won't watch it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. There are certain movies that were perfect when they were first done. You know, you could talk about Scarface, The Godfather, Citizen Kane, Lawrence of Arabia, Psycho. Exorcist is one of them. You cannot improve on it. You cannot update it for a modern audience. It's fucking perfect as it is. Leave it the fuck alone. If you want to make an exorcism movie, make an original exorcism movie, but don't stick the exorcist title on it. It makes no sense other than financial. And I know ultimately finances rules everything in Hollywood. And it's so upsetting that art doesn't rule uh, the most artistic city in the world. But no, it's money. So, you know, yeah. like I said, as a longtime horror fan, I have to accept it. I just have to accept it. But I'm still going to get mad about it. I'm still going to vent about it. And yeah, fuck you to anybody who thinks they can improve on perfection. I, I'm it, just not going to comment. That's the thing. It's like, <laughs> the Exorcist. <laughs> I mean, the Exorcist. Obviously, like you said, it deserves all that praise. But in a in a world where it's been what fifty years, we've had countless other exorcism and exorcist movies, and you know, movies that rip that, off the Exorcist with that formula. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly, ripping it off. But what my main point is like, so anyone that you know was too young to see Exorcist at the time or has continued watching horror movies it's like is even saying oh we're making an Exorcist sequel does that even carry this type of weight it would have if this was like 30 years ago I don't even think like younger generations care like of course they're like okay cool I might see it but I just don't think like the excitement is is it's there for it should... honestly I'm not even going to comment on this until it's like in like they're not even. It's not. Even, I have a feeling this ain't even gonna get off the fucking ground, and it's so. <laughs> it's not gonna be produced because we have been hearing these type of rumors for fucking years. You know the Jaws remakes, fucking Exorcist uh. remakes. You know, like and they never happen because they, why the first movies are so good and perfect. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. yeah, the day the Jaws remake comes out, I'm pretty sure uh, Jerry Herring and myself are gonna go and start a rash of theater fires. <laughs> well, did you hear who's in the running to be cast as Father Karras? Oh God, are you are you trying to troll me? <laughs> Robert Hanglin. <laughs> no, not really. No. <laughs> Freddy Krueger is going to be no, but I but no, but I kind of wouldn't mind it. But <laughs> oh my god, I don't know. Would that get me to the theater? I don't know. But no. <laughs> I've decided um, over the last few years, I've I'll watch anything. You know, you know, people already know this about me. If you've listened to my shows, I watch every single horror movie that comes out in theaters, regardless. I love the theater experience. I'll go see anything. I think when theaters reopen, I'm going to be a little bit pickier about what I go see. I'm, I'm not just going to go see any horror movie just because it's a horror movie opening that week. I mean, if it if it looks like, uh, I don't know, um, if it looks like The Bye Bye Man 2, I'm not, I'm not going. I, and even though I do have the monthly pass, so it's not like I'm actually paying for individual tickets, I still feel like I'm supporting a terrible movie. So I, I think I'm going to be a little bit more meticulous about what I watch uh, once theaters open back up. And I know a lot of people are hearing that and wondering what the hell I'm talking about, but unfortunately in California, theaters are still not open. Uh, theaters, casinos, sporting uh, events, arenas, any place where people can gather still cu uh, shut down in California because we suck and we can't listen to uh, doctors. <laughs> so what do you when we, I don't know about you down there in SoCal, but we didn't even get like the mini reopening that was supposed to happen around like August. It, it was, uh, it was set to reopen and you, and like on my regal app, you saw Showtime start to fill in, but yeah, then before they actually opened, it was like, Nope, everything's going down. Again. Yeah, it was like less than a week before the date. Yeah, it was the same down here. We were all expecting it. I, I actually had tickets purchased. Like I already had, I, I, I forget, it might have been Tenet or something, but I, I know I had a ticket purchased for something and it got canceled because, yeah, they closed everything again. So, yeah, I don't anticipate movie theaters in Southern or even Northern California being open for at least until the summer, maybe later. They're not so, open yeah, here either. Oh, they're not. Oh, okay. I was pissed because that reopening week was they were going to be sh uh, showing Saint Maud, and I was like, "Oh shit, I can go see that." And then, of course, uh, it didn't happen. And U.S. has still not got a release for it, even though oh, it's, it's coming right, to physical media next year. I know. Sorry, <laughs> right, Mike. I'll, I'll let you. I'll I'll, show, I'll take a picture of my Blu-ray when it comes in the mail. <laughs> I bet. Hey, hey I got it all. Like, oh, this is the greatest now. movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh man uh, okay that's all the news items i had did you guys have any any news not at that? all man um, skimming skimming all the standard sites it's all just top 10 lists and bests and worsts of the year and very little actual announcements like i said i'm from working in the video game industry for as long as i did over 11 years December is basically a standstill for arts and entertainment. You know, the, the film industry, television. Uh, for the, I, I'm not saying that they shut down, but they definitely slow down uh, during December. So, oh, yeah, there's, there's not going to be a lot of news. I, I got some breaking news for you guys right now. Uh-oh. Simon Pegg has been cast as Father Marin in the Exorcist remake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
Oh, does that mean that Nick Frost will be uh, Father Father Karras? Yes. <laughs> no, other way around. It should be Simon Pegg as Father. Oh wait, no, 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 no. We were right the first time. Simon Pegg as Marin Merrick, and uh, yeah, Karras is Nick Frost. I, I'm on board. Okay, you make you see you make it a comedy, and I'm in. <laughs> oh yeah, one movie I saw that I forgot to bring up. So I'll break the rules and just mention it now. Uh, I, the new uh, Lose, Lose, or however you say it, Flower of Evil. Yeah. This one's a Spanish movie, so how would it be pronounced the Spanish way? L-U-Z. Lose. 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 You said Lose. Right. Flower of Evil. Um, have either of you guys seen it? No, I saw the other Lose from last year. Yeah, the one that's... Uh, the one that everyone thought I was talking about. <laughs> I yeah. was like, no, not that one. <laughs> well, I mean, well, it's, I, it's a weird title to have two movies in consecutive years have the same title. That's kind of odd. I mean, I yeah. actually like that movie, the other one. And I'm I, like, I, I kind of liked it. it. It left me scratching my head. It, it's bit. very low budget. And it, yeah. It's kind of unique, though. I like the oh, aspect. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's a very good way to put it. like i said i didn't dislike it i just remember walking away a little confused like what the hell did i just watch (laughs) yeah it definitely needs another like few views that movie for sure yeah i feel you know yeah uh but the new one has nothing to do with it right mike no the new ones it's completely own thing it's a spanish movie kind of a religious cult like movie and I enjoyed it a lot, but I think it's going to be a polarizing movie. Um, Aha, Mid- Midsommar 2. <laughs> I could very, very much see it. Moods will fucking hate it. That- Moods will hate it. I love it. <laughs> it's I, I still don't understand why he hates that movie, because to me, that's the kind of movies eh. usually does like but. I mean I'll, I'll give Moods credit at least he has like a laundry list of issues with that movie he doesn't he doesn't flat out just say I hate it because it's stupid like I mean I actually had a conversation <laughs> with him one day where he actually listed everything that he had wrong you know every problem that he had with the movie and even though I didn't agree with 95% of what was on his list at least he was able to articulate why he doesn't like the movie. So I'll let him give him credit for that. Um, but, yeah, oh. I mean, th- that movie's so fucking good. How the hell can someone not like it? But, See? You know. <laughs> but, but anyways, Flower Evil, yeah, basically, you know, an overbearing religious group slash cult leader. Lots of symbolism going on. Uh, lots, you know, of imagery it's very beautifully shot the cinematography is excellent i would definitely add it to your 2020s to get watched before you come up with the list Uh, like i said i think some people will be turned off by you know the style of filmmaking but others will like it a lot maybe even love it so um i think it's, it's definitely something though to you know in crunch time get it watched oh sh. Oh shit! I just got fucking new breaking news, Mike. Uh oh. Baby Yoda has been cast as Reagan in the Exorcist remake. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Baby Yoda's playing Freddy Krueger. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh man. By the way, well, now that you brought Mandalorian up, is everyone? Oh, up? oh my <laughs> god! Oh my god! I fucking cried my fucking eyes out, dude. That episode, my wife and I are literally watching it 
chanting, we're not going to cry. We're not going to cry. We're not going to cry. And then he, and then that motherfucker takes his hood off and fucking Niagara Falls. <laughs> we're just both like, God damn it. Even the fucking music and just the, the ah, touches his face and then R2 comes out of nowhere and makes it even worse. It's like, what the fuck? Ah, yeah, it, it was, it was every Star Wars fans wet dream. Uh, obviously, you know, we're off on a tangent because there's no horror in this, you know, in Mandalorian at all. Well, I guess the... The, the spider the, episode was pretty horror. Oh, the ice spiders. Yeah, that was pretty ice fucking Ice spiders horror. and even the semi-tremors episode before even, that one was... Oh, the mud horn. Yeah, even Asuka fucking the slashing dudes and taking them out slasher style. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. more John Wick. <laughs> John, the Jedi John Wick. I like it. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I can't say anything I, I, about that show. I, I don't even want to talk about it because we're going to go off on a two-hour tangent because I totally could talk about that show fucking forever. <laughs> and, then, and, and then, of course, the Mike Merriman of the Star Wars universe, Bit Fortuna, gets blasted in the chest. Oh, so great! Oh, God. Yeah, this, this series is literally... You know, I've already said it's every Star Wars fan wet wet dream. It's 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 fucking nerdgasm all over the place. It's emotions, emotions that us Star Wars fans thought we would never feel again after the last couple of trilogies. But man, John Favreau, I I applaud you, sir. If I could yeah. give you a standing ovation, I would because you literally saved the childhood of billions of people. I don't know how many literal Star Wars fans are out there, if it's in the billions, but goddamn if John Favreau didn't save our childhoods with this series. Yeah, him and him and Dave Filonia, you know, they yep. just did, you know, I I always like I even like it's weird. I like the Clone Wars series a lot more than the prequel movies, and you know, there's a reason for that. They uh, actually it's better. The, yeah, you know. <laughs> and, um, I mean, the, the thing that Lucas uh, lost with the second with the prequel trilogy is that he forgot how to tell a story. The great thing about the original Star Wars trilogy is that they are great stories. It's not about the effects. It's not about the acting. It's not about anything but just telling a great space western, period. And they fucking brought it back for The Mandalorian. And this is the space western slash samurai series that we've needed and that we didn't even know that we needed, you know? I mean, if you'd have asked me five years ago if I wanted a Star Wars TV series, I would have flat out said no. Because I'm, I'm the kind of person that I'm happy with the amount of art that I'm getting. I don't want to flood the market, blah, blah, blah. But now that we have The Mandalorian, I can't see life without it. I fucking oh, love it. I'm just, this makes me even more excited for like all the other shows that are coming out. It's fucking nuts. Exactly. I mean, if all those other shows are a fraction as good as The Mandalorian, then they're still going to be watchable. I mean, The Book of Boba Fett, I, I literally have an erection as we speak thinking about The Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> oh, I, I just say Disney should, dis, Disney should disappear the new trilogy and just say Favreau. You guys are, are rewriting the new trilogy, and because I after after seeing the sequel or not the sequel, the finale to season two, I'm like these guys get like everything that Star Wars fans of old and new like want to see. I'm like, why? It, it's a shame that this series hadn't come out before they even did the new trilogy because I almost feel like if this 
show would have come out first, then they might have told them, hey, would you guys be interested in writing, like, you know, the the new trilogy of the Skywalker saga or whatever? Because they just hit on every point. And I feel because, like, my daughter started watching it on her own just because she, you know, she's a kid. She doesn't have a Star Wars fandom background. Baby Yoda gets Baby Yoda's in all the pop culture and everything. So she started watching it because of that. So obviously she doesn't have the same emotional connection to it, but just as a good show to kind of get her into the star Wars universe, she was like watching it on her own. Like that turned into the show when we would have them go to bed at night, you know, okay, what do you want me to put on? Uh, can you put on the Mandalorian? I'm like, uh, yes. <laughs> and you can stay up extra late, <laughs> but, but uh, it just works on so many levels. Like you said, it brings it back to the space Western slash samurai stories. I think just, the mysteriousness and all the characters that you got in the original trilogy, it, it just was there. It, it, mm-hmm. One of the my furthest back memories of seeing A New Hope for the first time, that scene when they go into the bar, and there's all these like crate like you instantly feel like you could almost spend a movie with any of the patrons of that bar because they're so <laughs> mysterious and you don't know hardly anything about anyone, but they all come off as so cool. And it's kind of overwhelming the first time you see it. But that's what Star Wars was back then. Yeah, like you just hang out with like fucking Amy Sedaris' mechanic character. Uh, (laughs) You know, it's like, this is fun characters like that where they just could come back into the show anytime where it's like, it's fucking awesome. I'd like to spend some time with uh, Cara Dune. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Gina Carano. She can put me on it. She can put me in a figure four anytime she wants. And, and Fennec Shang, man, like, like she's fucking fifty seven in real life. That chick can fucking beat the shit out of all of us. I believe it. <laughs> fucking Mulan herself, the voice of Mulan. <laughs> and I and I feel like the in that finale episode, um, the character that came to save the day. That's what Star Wars fans of old wanted to see that character do post yep. return of the Jedi. Oh, I watched, so, I watched so many videos of these people bawling their eyes out when that happened. Oh, the because reaction it, videos are great. Yeah. <laughs> especially after what happened with him in the trilogy yep. where, where people were just so like, what the hell that like, why are you writing that character that way? But then you see it in Mandalorian. You're like, okay, that's, that's the way that's exactly what we were waiting to see this whole time. Yeah. Uh, Favreau and Fellini definitely have a way of balancing fan service with artistic merit. You know, they're, they're not literally just making something that makes us happy. They're trying to make something that adds to the mythology, that adds to the storyline, while still making as many of us happy as possible. And I think they're balancing that perfectly because, uh, yes, we're all Star Wars nerds, but at no point as I'm watching the new episode, uh, the the season finale of of season two, did I feel like they were doing fan service. Yes, we're seeing these characters that we haven't seen in decades. Yes, they're doing things that we've never even seen them do in their the first time that we saw them. 
I mean, that 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 finale of season two um, is up there with the end of Rogue One, with the Darth Vader scene at the end of Rogue One, where we, we finally get to see these characters do what we think they can do. You know, we, we never saw Vader go beast mode in the original trilogy or in any Star Wars thing, for that matter. But then Rogue One gave us that without it feeling like fan service. So again, even though Rogue One isn't Favreau, that entire universe, I feel like they're handling Star Wars really, really well. And also, I don't have nearly the problem with the new trilogy that a lot of people have. Um, it's not perfect. It's not even close to perfect. But it's ten times better than the prequel trilogy, uh, so I will take it. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. There's stuff I really like about the the sequel trilogy. For sure, and, and oh, it's, yeah. I especially the last year. I think the last year gets way too much hate. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, a lot of a, a lot of that last movie gets a lot of hate. Like we thought, Last Jedi was getting hate. Then the last movie comes out, and suddenly everybody hates it. And I'm I'm walking out of the theater like, what the hell did you guys hate? I mean, I, yes, okay, maybe the story doesn't go exactly where you want it to, or maybe certain characters don't end up exactly where you want them to, but ultimately they put together a great story that, you know, at least satisfies a lot of us older fans while still, you know, bringing in the newer fans, you know, the big CG extravaganza type fans, um, you know, that want to watch these movies on IMAX or whatever. And that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But like I said, for us old guys and, you know, I'm talking about guys like me and Neil Lemoy, where we were there opening day in 1977. I remember going to see Star Wars on opening day with my dad in 77 and walking out of the movie theater like... I don't know, like I had just experienced a two hour roller coaster, like literally it was like a day at the amusement park. I was out of breath. I was tired. It was fucking great. And, you know, I've seen every single Star Wars movies in theaters, um, even the bad ones. But ultimately, I am a fanboy. I will arted me. Excuse me. (laughs) Vehemently uh, proclaim that I am a Star Wars fanboy. But, um, you know. I'm not even sure what my original point was. Stop bitching about Star Wars. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Enjoy yeah. it or watch something else. Go watch Lord of the Rings if you don't and, like Star Wars. And this Whatever. is for Sam Edwards. Watch the fucking Mandalorian, you fucking little motherfucker. <laughs> uh, get that boy of Disney Plus account. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right. right. Let's get on to some fucking Evil Dead ripoffs. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, because there's not really a burning question for this episode. I mean, Star I Wars talk. Everyone's holiday Sorry. went. That was it. <laughs> yeah, that was the burning question. Did you see the Mandalorian uh, finale? And then it turned into that. <laughs> well, obviously, you know, as I said, we're we're, we're looking at uh, Evil Dead ripoffs. Uh, obviously, we're doing two specific feature reviews, but I also have a list of a few other. Um, Evil Dead ripoffs that we can kind of talk about for the quote unquote burning questions section. And I was even thinking maybe we could even talk a little bit about where we want to see Evil Dead go, the real Evil Dead, not just the ripoffs. But before we do that, Venom, Mike, it's time. Play that music. So 
Um, you know, I wanted to do something that was the antithesis of Christmas because obviously it's December. Everybody's doing Christmas horror, and you know, here on No More Room in Hell, we kind of buck a lot of trends. We don't rate our movies, you know, we don't fall into too many theme episodes, blah, blah, blah. But like I said, I wanted to kind of do something that wasn't Christmassy. So I thought about Evil Dead ripoffs. And the reason I thought about that was just um, I'd, I'd actually watched a couple over the past couple of years that some people like a couple of these are very, very obvious Evil Dead ripoffs. But then some are very loose and you'll see kind of you know, where um, Evil Dead's inspiration has kind of touched other directors' lives um, in the sense that, you know, even even if they're not making straight-up Evil Dead ripoffs, kind of like the Bornless ones or, like, the couple of movies that we're going to be featuring tonight, there's also movies like Demon Knight and uh, Witchery and Beyond Darkness that also have the same kind of themes of you know, ancient evil of, you know, younger kids going, you know, strangers in a strange land getting attacked by, you know, some form of ancient evil. I think we can make that argument for both of our feature reviews today, yeah. which we'll get to when we get to. But, you know, like I said, Evil Dead ripoffs kind of uh, they have a they have a very broad appeal. They're not just ancient evil movies. They're not just cabin in the woods movies. I mean, they could be anything that, I mean, possession even, I mean, cause you look at the deadites and how they possess living people. You can make an argument that movies like witchery and the exorcist are, well, maybe not the original exorcist, but later versions of the exorcist are loosely inspired by the evil dead. And I just wanted to kind of get you guys's um, kind of opinions on, you know, where you see the inspiration uh, for these Evil Dead ripoffs, like, uh, can you tell the difference when a director flat out wants to rip off the Evil Dead or or pay homage? I mean, sure. we use the word rip off very loosely. I'm not trying to insult anyone when I use the word rip off. It's just one of those words that's become kind of common in the community. Uh, um, but, uh, yeah. yeah, Derek, go ahead. Well, the thing is, Evil Dead's kind of a ripoff of another movie. Uh, if you don't, if you don't know, there's this movie from the early seventies called Equinox, which even Sam Raimi has stated that that was the main inspiration for the evil dead, where this group of travelers go on a grid and they actually find a magic book. And then the devil comes to get the book back from them. And they get trapped in like this paradox where they can't actually get out of this area and the devil keeps fucking him, and it actually has claymation from stop-motion animation of these giant monsters coming to attack them, and they turn on each other, kind of like the Evil Dead did. And uh, that was made by Jack H. Harris, who actually produced it, and a lot of like the Star Wars guys actually made that movie before they went, did Star Wars. It's actually nuts to think about it. Uh, and yeah, it's kind of like that's kind of the inspiration for Evil Dead was Equinox from like 1970. Uh, and you know, and it's not like beat the beat like Evil Dead, but I'm just saying mm -hmm. there, that's what Sam Raimi was influenced to make like the story of the Evil Dead about like, this natural evil that's attacking you, like like you were saying, or, like mm -hmm. the other movies that we're about to talk about. Yeah, and in that aspect where you know, it's a thing that happens where cinema influences other cinema. And, you know, 
is you either say, I don't even like calling these type of movies ripoffs that we're going to be doing it because they're made by people that showed love and care in their products and mm-hmm. what we think about them in that sense where it's like something like witchery. It's like, or like not even witchery, like fucking there's some straight up like movies that made for like, Oh, let's just make this because evil dead is popular right now. Mm-hmm. Those are what I call ripoffs where they don't even give it the love and care. But movies like the one, especially one of them that we're going to talk about later on, you mm-hmm. see that, that these people that made this movie were just fucking huge fans of Evil Dead. Yep. And they wanted to make their interpretation of it and shout it out and give it love. And it's just the way that I like, you know, I don't mind if people show if they love a movie and they want to make that type of movie. That's fine. If they just do it and make a quick buck, that's terrible. There's yeah. definitely examples of that. I, mean, I think you have a good list of them that we're going to talk about. So, yeah, yeah that's yeah. all I got to say. Hey, Mike, um, if if I'm remembering correctly, isn't Evil Dead one of your favorite franchises? Yeah, uh, I I pretty much like every entry in there, including the TV show that they went on to make a couple years ago. Um, another, another movie I thought might have possibly influenced Evil Dead, or at least the style of Evil Dead 2, do you remember that Japanese movie, House... Yes! House or Houseu? Yeah, House. Um, yeah, the big orange cat poster shirt. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of bizarre, strange stuff in that movie that uh, feels like, you know, Raimi might have seen and kind of um, in, inspired him to do some of the gags and stuff in the Evil Dead franchise. But, you know, I like how Evil Dead is one of those franchises where it almost like Gremlins started to do, but there's only been a couple of them, which is it kind of crosses genres as each installment. Cause you know, the first one's straight horror. Then the second one's like more splatterhouse, almost slapstick. Third one goes, uh, heavy in the comedy. Uh, and then the remake, uh, veers back, uh, to be straight horror again. And then the show is kind of a combination of everything we've seen before. Uh, it spawned, video games, comics. Like, sometimes I think that the Evil Dead franchise doesn't get the credit it should for just the kind of empire it's created. And, you know, Bruce Campbell himself with the Ash character is just... He is one of the most iconic, like, non-horror villains, I I think, if not the most, because most horror movies, the fandom is centered around, you know, the slasher villain or whoever the bad guy or demon or ghost or whatever. But when it comes to the Evil Dead franchise, it's really the good guy, Ash, um, that is the icon of the franchise and very recognizable, huge, and... uh, Overall, yeah, Evil Dead franchise. I am a very big fan. Yeah, for sure. And the the funny thing is, like when you say Ash is the hero, and then when it's weird because I watched Evil Dead two before I ever seen the original Evil Dead, and I'm like, damn, Ash is such a bitch in the first movie. <laughs> yeah, he really is. Exactly. I mean, Bruce Campbell isn't Ash yet in the first movie. He doesn't. He doesn't become the Ash that we know and love until Evil Dead Two. Um, his performance is still pretty good. I'm not going to say it's great in the original Evil Dead. Obviously, you know he was a young actor, hadn't really learned his craft quite yet. But 
uh-huh. you know, he did he did an admirable job. But that's part of why I like Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two, uh, the way they contrast on each other. Because, like I said, there are so many differences. Yeah, they have the same title separated by a number. But they're very different movies, as Mike said, you know, the original going straight, you know, very little comedy, just straight horror. And then the second one, they definitely ramped up uh, the comedy, at least the intentional comedy, a lot more with a lot of its kind of goofy segments in there. And, you know, you can talk to 10 different horror fans and they'll all have different favorites. I mean, I know people who Army of Darkness is their favorite of the trilogy and there's nothing wrong with that. Um I'm going to make a statement right now that's probably going to make me some enemies, including maybe one of the hosts that I'm working with right now. Uh, Evil Dead 2013 is actually my favorite Evil Dead movie, and it's not even close. I love the Evil, the original Evil Dead movies. Please don't get it twisted. I absolutely love those movies. I love Bruce Campbell. I love Sam Raimi. I love the work that they did together. But that 2013 remake is so fucking brutal. It is so bloody. It is so unrelenting, unforgiving. You know, the fact that they didn't go for the horror comedy thing, which would have been really easy. It's what most of us probably expected going into it. But they subverted the comedy almost completely and just brought us one of the most brutal films in the franchise. So... You know, despite my love for evil for the original Evil Dead trilogy, I love all three of them with a passion. I feel that that 2013 remake is a stellar film. There's so, almost nothing wrong with it, in my opinion. So, Venom, which host did you think you were going to make angry? Oh, Mike, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't like like the remake too. It's not like you know, it's not like you have to be in one bandwagon the other you can be in both and i am solidly in both the remake and the original trilogy but when i watch the original trilogy i am prepared excuse me yeah yeah that was my point when i watch anything from the original trilogy i know that there's going to be some levity there's going to be some humor involved to kind of offset all the blood all the horror you know everything else whereas when you pop in the remake you know that you're in for an hour and 40 minutes of just relentless torture of these of kids in this cabin. Yeah. And, and I absolutely love that. I, that's, I just That's yeah. the problem with it, because I hate every fucking character in that movie, and oh, I don't want to follow them. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't hate all of them. I, I, I'm actually very okay with... You know, the the basic storyline of them wanting to help one of their friends, and that's why they can't leave the cabin, because if they leave, she's going to just, you know, fall off the wagon again, blah, blah, blah. I thought that that was, you know, not so much a physical threat that's keeping them there, but more of an emotional one, and definitely there was love and friendship involved in making that decision. I know a lot of people over the years have had a problem with that plot point, and I can see why, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that those people are wrong. But I personally just love that because it brought a real-world problem. You know, not the the Necronomicon, not Deadites attacking, but a girl who's just trying to get off drugs, you know, and she's got these four very close friends who are trying to get her through it. And it just works for me in every way. I, you know, like I said... I've made the statement that it's my favorite. I'm going to stick to it. And when I say it's my favorite, I'm saying that it's like a 9.77 to Evil Dead's 9.75 or whatever. You know what I mean? I mean, it's it's almost negligible, the amount 
um, of difference that would be in the rating for those films. They're both 10 out of 10s, honestly. They, they really are. It's just what the, what the remake has to offer is more what I'm looking for when I want to pop in a horror movie. I want to see that unrelenting brutality. I want to see, I want to see, um, demons that are like angry. They like, they relish killing the people in this movie. Um, like no other demon I've ever seen relish a kill. So yeah, love, love, love that movie. But like I said, nothing against the original trilogy. I love them to death. Hopefully Mike will still talk to me after all this. Yeah. yeah. The thing, <laughs> the, th- the thing is it, it has grown on me and I do appreciate it a lot more. It's just, yeah. Uh, yeah. And but, I'm in the minority there. I, you know, me calling it a 10 out of 10. I know a lot of people would rail against that, but I've watched that movie almost it's not quite every year, but almost every year since it's come out. And every time I watch it, I like it more and more. I mean, and that's a rare thing for a film where I actually love it more on subsequent we uh, subsequent rewatches. So, yeah. But obviously, so, our, yeah. our topic today is going to be Evil Dead ripoffs. You got anything else, Mike? I'm sorry, I kind of cut you off. No, I was going to say I don't dislike the remake. I think it's a fine movie. I think they did a lot of good stuff in it. It's just. I don't know. It, it's Mike not just hates remakes. Evil Dead to me. No, no. But, <laughs> but I understand how people make the argument that it's not Evil Dead. Evil Dead is very solidly grounded in the horror comedy genre over the the course of the trilogy. So I know a lot of people were maybe expecting certain things with the remake that they didn't get, and because of that, they don't like it as much. And again, personal opinion, that's fine. I'm not going to rail on someone who hates something that I love, but for whatever it's worth, man, that movie does it for me anytime. And come on, the final scene, it's raining blood. It's fucking raining blood. <laughs> for God's sake, every Slayer fan should have a goddamn 12-inch erection watching that scene. I wasn't but, too enamored with the resurrection part. Oh, the, the, the MacGyver scene where she make, he makes the MacGyver defibrillator? Yeah, yeah. battery, yeah. <laughs> I will tell you what, though, that the year, it, it was either the year it came out or the year after at uh, Hollywood Horror Nights, they did a haunted a haunt based on the Evil Dead remake, and the haunt was really fucking good. Like, they nailed every scene from that movie as you're walking through it, and there was a scene or uh, a part in the movie or in the haunt where Jane Levy's character, she's, you know, all demoned out and she's like on her hands and knees and she, the head turns and like it sprays you with like the fake blood. That's cool. It's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. I think I did go that year. I, I don't go every year, but I know whenever they have a new big maze based on a franchise that I really love, like when they introduced the Hellraiser one, I went to that. Uh, or should I say the Tortured Souls, Clive Barker's Tortured Souls, which, you know, basically is Hellraiser. It's basically the Hellbound yeah. part. Did you go the year they did the American Werewolf in London pub? I did not do. I did not go that year. Dude, no. they nailed. They even did like a room with like the porn theater, which was hilarious. What's that? Yeah. The Slaughtered Lamb, right? Yeah. So <laughs> from the outside of the haunt, it's, it's basically like you're going into the Slaughtered Lamb. That's how it starts. And then um, just all throughout it, they like nail almost every important scene in the movie. I was thoroughly impressed. And I mean, you've come to expect it through Universal just because they have the budget to really 
But I mean, you know, they you could tell the money goes into these haunts just to make them as close to the movie as possible. I I actually haven't gone in a handful of years. There was like a period of my life where I think I went three years in a row. And it's just, you know, living up in Northern California, it's, it's a bigger trip to make um, just to even get down there. And then once you get down there, it's like tickets to it aren't cheap either, especially when we, you know, because <laughs> we usually buy front of the line. Otherwise, you're going to be in like two hour lines for everything. Yep. So uh, it, it it was always worth it. It's just it's a, a trip that gets you know with kids. It's harder to make every year until they're old enough to do it, and then maybe they'll yeah. want me to take them. I think after this uh, 2020 nightmare year of the pandemic, I don't. I I got a funny feeling I'm probably going to go to the first couple of Halloween horror nights when they reopen, hopefully in 2021. But whether it's 2022 or later. I see myself doing a lot more of that kind of stuff, especially at Halloween. You know, the pandemic I still, definitely. I still it, need to get to Disneyland to see Star Wars World because we were going to do it oh, uh, this year. It's, we had originally it, planned. It, <laughs> yeah. That shit is so expensive. And ugh, the lines are, I mean, you thought the lines at Disneyland were bad. Uh, at Galaxy's Edge, they're even worse. And and I'm talking about lines to buy like a $200 lightsaber, which apparently everybody has to have one because you get to build it yourself. They have a thing where you can build. Oh, your my God. Yeah, you can pick your crystal. Uh, so it cha- obviously it affects the color of the saber, blah, 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 blah. But it's like 250 bucks, something like that. Which, I, I, you know, as much as I rail on it, I would probably do it if I went. But yeah, Galaxy's Edge... That's one of those things that's not going to be affordable for a while, a long time. And even yeah, if I can afford I, it, like I said, the lines, I mean, opening day, I, I heard stories of people literally going to two um, attractions, literally wow. two, because the lines were so long. They spent eight hours there and only did two things. And that's just ridiculous to me for not only do you have to pay the over $100 a ticket admission to Disneyland, there's an additional charge for Galaxy's Edge. So yeah, it's uh, that that's something that I want to do. Obviously, as a Star Wars fan, but <laughs> that's gonna heard, be years down the line. I heard the season passes are like a big problem because so many people down there buy them just because you know when you live close that. So many people are just there all the time. Exactly. No, I know people that have been there like every other weekend since it opened. Yeah. So the people see when I was growing up and my, you know, my parents took us, it was just more like the regular, it's mostly like tourists going. And then, you know, you get your weekend or I think we had like a three or four day pass and you do your stuff and you go. But now ever since they introduced the season pass, it's like everyone that lives in Southern California that has the money just buys a season pass and then like every other fucking weekend they're there. So then the tourists that come where you only have that weekend to go, it's like if you land on a busy weekend, you're fucked. Cause like you literally have to go home after exactly. that weekend. So yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. It's a little much, but you know, it's All worth it. Out here is water country. <laughs> What's that? All we got out here is water country. We don't have any cool Disney theme parks. Oh, shit. When I was in Connecticut, we had nothing. Yeah, that was awful for... Oh, we got Six Flags. Uh, We had Six Flags in New Jersey was the closest thing. So it was a three-hour drive. Yeah. Which most people weren't really willing to make just to go to an amusement park. That's not called Disney. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. Thanks. It happens. What are you going to do? 
Yeah. All right, so um, we talked about the Evil Dead a little bit. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the homages, uh, if you will, the Evil Dead ripoffs, homages, you know, um, inspirations, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, obviously we, we could talk for like eight hours um, because technically it, it's very broad. The term Evil Dead ripoff is very broad because a, a lot of the movies that are on my list of Evil Dead homages don't really even involve um, the devil or demons. Um, a lot of them are witch movies, but they, you know, we, we talked about uh, briefly, we talked about Witcher earlier, witchery from 1988 starring Linda Blair. Um, technically it is a witch possession film, but there are elements of it, especially in its filmmaking, its cinematography specifically that make it feel very much like an evil dead movie. It feels like it's Sam Raimi behind the camera. You can kind of say the same thing about the La Casa series, where um, in Italy the, uh, these films were called La Casa 4 and 5. In America, uh, La Casa 4 is uh, witchery, and La Casa 5 is Beyond Darkness, which is basically another movie that kind of covers um, possession by witches. Um, Beyond Darkness from 1980... When you actually watch it, I watched it last week. When you actually watch it, it feels a lot more like an Amityville kind of ripoff as opposed to the Evil Dead. But it still kind of fits because ultimately, like I said, Deadites possess humans before they dispatch of them in the Evil Dead movies. Yeah. So, you know, it's a loose imp- interpretation here. One that I really wanted to talk about that comes off, aside from the two that we're going to feature uh, today... Uh, There's one specifically from 2017. I'm not sure if you guys have seen this one, but it's called The Bornless Ones. Um, No, I haven't seen this one. Yeah, this movie is... I haven't seen it yet, no. Very violent, very gory. Um, Once again, it's it's a Cabin in the Woods-style film. Basically, it's the story of Emily, a girl who's moving out to a remote cabin in the hopes of being able to take care of her brother, Zach, who has cerebral palsy. And basically what happens is as soon as they get to the cabin, suddenly Zach's cerebral palsy uh, starts to go away. He actually starts to heal and gets better. And, you know, within a couple of days of being at the cabin, he's basically a normal person again, which obviously everybody's, you know, chalking up to a miracle. But we all know we're watching a horror movie, so we know it's not a miracle. There's got to be something else involved. And, yeah, it's basically kind of the same thing of – there is a the bornless ones actually has a smoke monster in it very similar to like the show lost but it it also <laughs> it's very reminiscent of the force in evil dead you know everybody knows about that evil force that just kind of goes screaming through the woods after a- ash aka or, this running with a camera exactly sam raimi running with the camera <laughs> um but we get a little bit we get a touch of that in bornless ones so that's why i feel that i, I wanted to really highlight this one because like i said it's got the gore it's got the practical effects uh, a little bit of CG blood here and there, but I don't think it's too much that it'll take you out of it. Um, we got some really good performances. The movie is written and directed by Alexander Babayev, or Babayev, Babayev. Um, so I don't remember if the movie is foreign. I believe it is, though, if I remember correctly. But um, 
Yeah, uh, like I said, 2017, The Bornless Ones. If you have not seen that movie, by all means, check that out. Really gory, um, decent story, good performances, probably one of the better Evil Dead homages out there, especially over the last 10 years or so. Um, Check that out. Yeah, yeah, check it out. It's pretty good. Um, uh, Here's one that I kind of pulled out of my ass that I know a lot of people are going to disagree with, but again... We're talking about uh, demons, you know, coming, leaving hell, coming up to the surface uh, with the intention of world domination, of, you know, killing all humans and blah, blah, blah. And that's Tales from the Crypt's Demon Knight. Um, Like I said, tonally, it's a very different movie. I mean, it's still a horror comedy, but I feel like they lean on the comedy a little bit more for Demon Knight. Obviously, since it is a Tales from the Crypt um, film, I think a lot of people would probably expect the comedy to be ramped up a little bit more. Obviously, Billy Zane is like a, <laughs> um, you know, he plays the titular Demon Knight, and that is Demon Knight with a K. So he is like a Demon Knight of the round table. Um, but Billy Zane, I always thought did a really good job with this one. And I thought the practical effects were all really good in this one. I know the tales from the crypt movies aren't necessarily looked at very highly by people in our community. Um, they're obviously cash grabs, you know, they're very slick, polished films that were thrown in the theaters. Um, you know, a lot of people maybe don't give them a lot of merit. I know Bordello of Blood got a lot of shit when it came out, um, I'm a I love fan. it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a big fan of both of them. I, I think both movies are effective. They do what they're intended to do. You know, the comedy that's a little slapsticky at times. I mean, again, you kind of expect it. It's Tales from the Crypt. It's part of the franchise, so yeah. it kind of works for me. So um, I don't know. What do you guys think? You think you think I'm stretching a little bit by including Demon Knight? No, it's kind of the same thing. Like, these people were in this house, and then all shit breaks loose when William Sadler's character comes, and the shit starts <laughs> to infect them and shit, you know? It's kind of similar in no sense. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, because the the uh, the umbrella of Evil Dead ripoff is so broad, there's going to be a lot of subgenres represented here, be it, you know, uh, Evil in the Woods, Witches, uh, Demon Possession, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, deals with the devil even. I've got one. Hell, even demons from Limbero Bava could technically yes. be kind of like a Evil Dead ripoff. And I wouldn't, you know, I love demons, you know. So, oh, absolutely. So I have no argument saying that, you know. Exactly. Um, here's one that I also kind of stretched on, and that's The Horror Show from 1989. Not a great movie by any stretch. I know the movie has its fans, and that's great. Um, a lot of people kind of look at it more as a shocker ripoff because, you know, the titular character, the villain, is played by the same person who plays the villain in Shocker, if I remember correctly. Um, uh, right? Isn't it the same guy? Um, no, it's uh, Brian James is in Horror Show and Mitch Pelleggi is the killer in Shocker. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, they do have the similarities, you know, of a killer. Yeah, same story line, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. But then, of course, this movie is kind of more a deal with the devil, where the condemned killer, you know, makes a deal with the devil to come back and get revenge on the people who, quote unquote, wronged him. Um, as I've already said, it's kind of more of a shocker uh, ripoff than Evil Dead. But again, I am stretching because it is a deal with the devil. I understand that the devil has never been represented in any of the Evil, Evil Dead movies 
other than in the Necronomicon, which, you know, like I said, I'm very aware of that. But again, I'm kind of stretching the definition of Evil Dead ripoff here. Yeah. Um, another one that I was kind of thinking about that could potentially be considered that is House 2, uh, the second story. That is, of course, from 1982. And this one I kind of threw in there because it has to do with an, an ancient artifact that reawakens an ancient evil in this house that was previously asleep. Very similar to the Evil Dead. They find the recording, they find the Necronomicon, they reawaken the Deadites, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's almost a carbon copy of the first oh, yeah. house, you know? Uh, but then, obviously, House 2 kind of delves into a comedy a little bit more. Don't, uh, uh-huh. don't, don't forget, it also introduced the, the original Baby Yoda, the Catter Puppy. The Catter Puppy, yes, the Catter Puppy. I, about <laughs> it. I think it was adorable. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like like I said, once again, a very loose definition of what the uh, Evil Dead uh, ripoff subgenre, if you will, uh, can be. Uh, here's another one that I kind of pulled out of my ass, but I, it's probably the only reason I'll get to talk about this movie, so I figure, fuck it. And that would be 2011's Father's Day. Uh, this is a film... Um, Derek actually is very familiar with this movie, more so than I am, actually, because, uh, like I said, I thought it was a straight trauma film. But, Derek, you corrected me. It's 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 put out by trauma. It's actually, you know, made and produced by Astron 6, the Canadian six-tet collective of actors, effects artists, and directors. They actually wrote the whole movie themselves. It's a group effort. They actually also star in the movie as most of the main characters, exactly. <laughs> like Ad, Ad, Adam Brooks is Ahab, <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> you know, it's pretty fun, you know, you know, it's actually it's kind of the shady past that Astron Six doesn't really like Tromer because they kind of handle this movie not to their advantage. It, it's kind of a dark history with uh, Tromer and Astron Six, and it kind of involves this movie, I think. Yeah, that sounds yeah, that sounds awesome. Like I said, so glad that you're more familiar with it than I am because I was basically only coming into it with the one watch that I had last week. Yeah, and it's an interesting movie. It's very violent, very gory. Um, a lot of it is shot in green screen, believe it or not. Like there's a lot of it where they're using like uh, generated backgrounds, so it gives it gives the movie kind of a music video look to it at times, but at the same time. It sometimes looks a little cheap, but again, it's Troma and Astron 6, so of course it's going to look a little cheap. Um, but I just remember having a really good time with this movie. Very violent. Basically the story of someone, of a killer who's going around killing priests, basically. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, you know, we have our priest, you know, here, Father Sullivan. And, well, we have a few priests, actually. Father Sullivan, Father O'Flynn, you know, played by various horror um, uh alumni um but like i said just a fun movie very violent once again uh you're looking at um uh very low budget and because they use the green screen so much it kind of adds to that low budget look if, if anybody remembers kung fury from a couple of years ago that had basically the entire movie is green screen and i say movie very loosely because it's only a half hour long but if you haven't seen kung fury it is available on youtube i highly recommend it just for the what the fuck factor of the entire thing in the david hasselhoff scene tongue 
Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, you know, you've got Thor, you've got Hitler fighting karate. I mean, come on. Amazing yeah. movie. Anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, um, that was Father's Day from 2011 from Troma and Astron 6. A very, very loose, um, you know, inclusion for Evil Dead ripoffs, but, you know, it's still one where I saw the similarities and I thought, yeah, that kind of fits well. Yeah, yeah for sure. Like, they possess the character and then it involves incest. Yeah, they, oh, God, yeah, the male incest scene. Oh, my God. <sighs> I was trying to forget that. <laughs> um, so that's it for movies. Like I said, there are countless movies out there. If you do even 10 minutes of research, you'll find laundry lists of different, you know, evil dead um, ripoffs. You'll find, even if you go on YouTube, you'll find like top 10 videos of like the top 10 best evil dead ripoffs, blah, blah, blah. Um, so yeah, check it out if you're interested in it. But the last thing that I wanted to bring up actually was a TV show. And I definitely wanted to bring at least one TV show to the table because evil dead, of course we know as a franchise jumped into the television, you know, four or five years ago with Ash versus evil dead. And because of that, very shortly after Ash versus evil dead, we got, Stan Against Evil. Stan Against yeah. Evil, basically an original TV show. John C. McGinley. Oh, John C. McGinley, Janet Varney, I mean, Dana Gould, uh, you know, uh, Randy Newsom. I mean, we've got some stand-up comedian cred in this movie. We've got, uh, you know, David Koechner, you know, more great comedians. Like I said, it is it is an episodic television series, so you get a lot of cameos here and there throughout the series. Even Jeffrey Combs, our boy, the reanimator appears in one episode in 2017. So, uh, basically, you know, stand against evil is a very kind of hometown, um, type series where, you know, a local sheriff, um, kind of, you know, without really wanting to ends up joining a group with a new sheriff to battle basically demons. Um, Unfortunately, I I watched I only watched the first episode of this show recently. I had never watched the series when it was first on. I think Mike, you're familiar with Stand Against Evil, right? Yeah, we actually covered it or at least the, I think the first season on Evil episodes and at the time I pretty much made the point that I think what was hurt cuz it was either I think it was IFC, like an IFC original mm-hmm. and I think what was hurting it with viewership was it originally kind of came out when Ash versus evil dead was airing as well. So I think it was almost hard to get people to buy into like a second show that was kind of followed the same general idea, but wasn't evil dead. Um, I was like, if this would have come out, you know, like a year or two prior or a year or two after Ash versus evil dead, I think it, a lot more people would have watched it. Cause I thought it was actually pretty good. And it it was different enough, and the, the comedic style was its you know its own thing with its own set of characters that I got a kick out of it. Um, so, so yeah, I was a fan of it. Yeah, I mean, I watched the first episode last week, and I, I it definitely had the bones of something that would become. Uh, something that I could see myself watching a lot. You know, not a lot happens in the first episode, ultimately. It's only a 25-minute runtime, so you're not getting, like, you know, full-hour episodes to really be able to flesh out a story every single week. But 
what they were able to do in that half hour, and I will continue to watch it just to see how long it keeps my attention. Looks like they did what three seasons of it? Yeah, three I think seasons. so. Yeah. So uh, we'll see how long I can stick with it. But yeah, I mean, if you haven't if you haven't seen Stand Against Evil, I believe it's available on Tubi. If I remember correctly, it's either it's either Tubi or it's one of those free streaming services. Uh, one of the ones you don't have to pay for. Uh, yeah, stream- either Tubi or Peacock or one. Yeah, of those. Pluto, one of those. Yeah, uh, look around for it, you'll find it. But yeah, Stand Against Evil. Just like I said, I wanted to bring just one TV show into the fray because of Ash versus Evil Dead. You know, they are no longer you know just a cinematic franchise. They've you know made their foray into television, and I just wanted to show that even you know Ash versus Evil Dead inspired you know one or two future series as well. So I actually want to bring up another TV show. Please, Todd versus the Book of Evil. I've heard of that. I've never seen it. It's pretty That's good. A good one. Yeah, yeah I, used to, I remember that it was old school like FearNet when it was on FearNet, and I. I th- is it on Shutter now? I think it's on Shutter now. I'm pretty sure I know Shutter at one point added it on there. I think it still is on there. Uh, it's definitely worth check uh, checking out. I thought I got a kick out of that one too. Yeah, it's kind of evil, Des ass because it involves like a book of evil. Ooh. Evil shit happens with the book. Yeah. Yep, Jason Muse plays plays the janitor at the school. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, it's kind of like Canadian high school because it's a Canadian show. I know that because cause Moods is like, it's Canadian. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> if it's not Canadian, it's crap. <laughs> yeah. And Jay uh, Parker is like, fuck that Canadian crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, that's pretty much all I have for my little discussion on Evil Dead. On Evil Dead as a franchise and Evil Dead ripoffs. Uh, oh, I just, I, I, just thought of, I just thought of another movie, Book of Monsters. That, that's kind of Evil Dead. Actually, that's... yeah, that was from last year, right? I remember yeah. seeing that. I, I actually remember, and I don't know why this one plot point sticks in my head. Actually, I do know why it sticks in my head, because they did something right. There's a scene in that movie. Um, for those who don't know, Book of Monsters is basically a movie about a, a bunch of kids at a house party. They end up finding a book very Saturday the 14th where they start opening it and it's releasing monsters throughout the house, blah, blah, blah. Hilarity ensues from there. But there's one scene in the movie where they were going to call the cops. And inevitably, in every horror movie, we get that scene where somebody calls the cops and tries to tell the cops the truth about what's happening. But obviously, because the situation is so outlandish and over the top, the police are always like, shut up. There's no monsters in your house, blah, blah, blah. But in this movie, uh, there was a male character who was about to call the cops and tell them about monster that there were monsters in the house. But one of the female characters actually stopped them and said, Think about that for a second. What are the cops going to say when you tell them that there's monsters in the house? You need to tell them that there's a serial Uh killer or that there's somebody attacking us. Then the cops will come and answer it. And I thought that for a little independent horror film, I love that line, you know, because that's something that I've been railing about for decades in horror. Mm -hmm. Calling the cops and telling them, you know, the devil is in my house and he's trying to rape my dog. You can't tell the cops that. They will never, ever believe you in a million years. So for whatever it's worth, Book of Monsters may not be a great movie. I do remember enjoying it for whatever it's worth, but it may not be like a classic, you know, film that's going to go down in history. But the fact that they did that one little thing makes me like it just that much more. 
Somebody yeah. actually had a brain in that movie. Go figure. Yeah, and I think sure. it was the villain, too. I think it was the girl who was actually possessed who told the guy, whoa, whoa, you can't call the cops and tell them that story. They'll never believe you. So, yeah, <laughs> kudos kudos to them. <laughs> Good shit. But, uh, yeah, yeah, if, if uh, nobody else has anything to add for the Evil Dead discussion, I guess we can take a break before we go to our feature reviews. What do you say? Yeah, sounds good with me, man. I can't wait to talk about the first movie. Oh. All right, folks. So uh, we're going to take a short break, and when we get back, we will start our feature reviews with 2010's <laughs> Primal. Trip to the woods. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. All right, see you in a bit. Where are we? How specific do you want me to be? How specific can you be? Try Australia. What's wrong with rock paintings closer to home? You blacked out. There's something wrong with that tunnel. We shouldn't go through it. Don't be ridiculous, it's perfectly safe. Where are you two going? Just looking at the stars. I'm going swimming. Riders are in the tent. She's got a fever. What's wrong with her? Oh, should we get her to a hospital? No, we shouldn't move her. Best thing for her is rest. We've got to get her to a doctor. Settle down. Don't tell me to settle down. We're not leaving just because someone's got a fever. You shouldn't be out here, Mel. we do. She's going to come back first, so we've got to run. Quickly, before he turns. We don't stand a chance against him. Who's going to do it? Now! Get a knife and finish it. Do it! There's a scary wood behind my home. And it's so scary. I went out to the woods today and lost myself around halfway. The trees overhead grew so very thick, they even sucked the light of day. Let's get right out of the scary woods, if I could. If I could, let's get right out of the scary woods, only if I could. It's so dark in there. I suspect there is foul play at work. There were croaks and grunts around, but I could not see what made those sounds. I was in the woods so deep, I wondered if I would be found. Let's get right out of the scary woods, if I could. If I could, let's get right out of the scary woods, only if I could. 
Suddenly, it was night. Only the moonlight filtered through the branches. The shadows blurted front and back. The darkness even hid the track. Even as I looked for food, I half knew I would be the snack. Let's get right out of the scary woods. If I could, if I could, let's get right out of the scary woods. Only if I could. That's why I stay out of the scary woods. Lisa! Lyssna nu väldigt noga på mig. Min farfar berättade för mig när jag var liten om en folkshägen som handlar om varelser som bor under jorden. Man sa att om man inkräktade på deras mark så kunde det gå riktigt illa. Folks, welcome back to No More Room in Hell, our final episode for 2020. Um, as you've already noticed, we have been discussing Evil Dead ripoffs. So for our two feature reviews, at least for the first of our feature review, we are going to be looking at 2010's Primal. Um, this is directed by Josh Reed, written by Nigel Christensen, along with Josh Reed, um, starring really no one of consequence, not really any big names in here that I can recognize. Bunch um, of Australian people. Bunch of Australian people, exactly. <laughs> and the synopsis is as follows. A group of friends travel into the Australian wilds to view ancient cave paintings, but soon find a horrible sickness gripping one of their own, which leaves them with nothing in their mind but a primal bloodlust. Um, let's start with Mike. Uh, what, what'd you think of Primal? All right. So interesting. I watched Primal, uh, like maybe about a week ago. I don't know what it was when I watched it that time, but it, it had like a, a little bit of a more generic feeling to me, but then I rewatched today um because you know a week out i was like you know let me give it a rewatch not necessarily because i thought my opinion would change but just you know uh get a little you know refamiliarize myself with like the details and stuff and i liked it a lot more i don't know i, I don't know if because calling it evil did rip off i had different like expectations or thinking it would be somewhat different but 
I I liked it a lot more uh, when I watched it today. I the characters, you know, were fine. Uh, the the mythology in it, you know, it's it's pretty mysterious. Like th- there's not over explanation of what exactly is going on. But in this type of movie, you don't really need it. I mean, you know, it's a it's a group of characters that are going out to the woods. Nothing good is going to come of it. So <laughs> all we need is the device that puts them in their predicament. Um, I will say there's some tragic CGI like in that oh, final yeah. act with the <laughs> with the monster, but the that kind of final form of the monster it's such a small aspect of the movie and it doesn't last very long mm-hmm. that I can forgive it. You know, would it knock it down? Like if if we were giving number rankings, maybe it would knock it down like a half a point just because it, it's kind of unfortunate that that's the best they could come up with. Because for the most part, the you know the practical effects, makeup, and stuff is pretty good. I mean, they don't really go over the top. I would say, which is probably good with a lower budget. It's like they do just enough to get the point across. I like that uh, we have kind of these weird like i like how it begins with like it's it's in the water you know it's like these mutated i think it's the first i can't remember if it's a rabbit or a mutated fish that they came that they got first but with the long ass skinny teeth i mean Mm -hmm. i i like i just like how things progress and like for a while it was just like the one girl you know and you're thinking oh it's gonna be well is the whole movie gonna be them fending her off but then it starts to spread and it gets around and I, you know, I liked how it progressed. I liked, uh, I liked when they were just kept having to, the one dude beating her with that stick over and over and over again. <laughs> and she's just taking all the shots and, and then we get kind of the full circle because, um, the one chick who's too hesitant to take the one dude out at the beginning while well, she's presented the same opportunity at the end and she gets the job done this time. So, you know, without getting into too much more before you guys have your say, I'll just say, yeah, I, I, I did like Primal a fair amount. And, um, yeah, I'll leave it at that for now. Derek, what do you got for Primal? Oh, boy, where do I start with this? Uh, the, <laughs> the Porcupine Teeth movie. Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, I didn't hate this movie. I didn't love it at the same time. I, I do feel it was kind of generic in the sense where it was oddly paced because it, cause it, you only deal with the one character for most of the movie, and then after, like, the 55-minute mark, then it's when the other guy gets infected. And it it just feels kind of slow and generic in those scenes for me, where you're just following like you just go to the anticipation where she's gonna be, where she's gonna be again, you know it's like stop and repeat, stop and repeat, you know it's it's kind of where I get what's going on and then you know I agree, this fucking monster at the end looks like fucking I don't even know what the fuck that was what the fuck was I looking at. Uh, I I I I honestly don't know what the fuck the monster was supposed to be. It wasn't explained, and you know, and I'm like, just don't go into the fucking water of the movie. I'm like, get the fuck out of here, movie. Uh, I don't know. I have mixed feelings on this movie overall. Uh, I think some of it's pretty good. And I think the third act kind of saves this movie because you get a little bit more action. It's just some of the genericness of like you know the beat, stop and repeat stuff that happens throughout it kind of pisses me off in a sense because I've seen this done before in other movies better in that sense. And, you know, I don't know. It's just 
Yeah, I have mixed feelings on this movie. I, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it either, though. That's all I can say. Hello? Yep, yep, sorry, <laughs> muted. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to say I'm probably a little bit closer to Mike on this one than Derek. I actually kind of enjoyed this one. I didn't, um, again, I don't. I try not to go into these types of movies with too high expectations, and I actually kind of like that, especially the opening scene, kind of opening up with the cave painters drawing, you know, their artwork, um, but leaving it mysterious enough that anybody who finds this artwork may not realize right away what it is they're trying to represent. Um, I thought that was a pretty good setup. I was actually okay with the majority of the movie just having the one girl infected because, especially because, you know, she was a cute girl to, to begin with, you know, a girl that obviously one or two gentlemen in the group were, you know, trying to make moves on. Um, I, I, I liked her design. I liked her teeth. I also liked her athleticism. I thought I, I liked the fact that she was able to do things as a possessed creature that she couldn't possibly do as a human. Now, uh, I like the fact that she did it. Unfortunately, the execution isn't great. Um, I'm sure you guys noticed the editing throughout the movie. There was mm -hmm. some kind of choppy editing that actually distracted you a little bit from the action. Like there'd be scenes where our infected girl would jump from like a, a mountain ledge down to a lower ledge Obviously trying to make her athleticism look like, you know, it's higher than it ever has been before. Uh-huh. But you can tell where the jump cut is. You can see where the actual edit point is. And when you can see the edit point, it totally takes you out of the experience. You know what I mean? Um, like I said, I appreciate what they were attempting to do with her and the athleticism and the fact that, you know, she was more like a alpha predator after she was infected. Um, I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. But like I said, the execution was poor. Uh, editing in general is not great in this film. Uh, the soundtrack is kind of blah. It's yeah. you know, just got a lot of like new new metal and rock in it that just it's not memorable it's at all. the era. It's definitely a, like of its era where yeah, it's, it's definitely it's got that gen generic music of that time period. Exactly. Yeah, it feels even though it's 2010s, it feels like a basic bitch 90s soundtrack for its movie. You know, like like I said, a lot of rock and punk and stuff like that. Yeah, trying to project project the the youthful feel of the actors in the film. Um, but yeah, overall, I did not hate this movie. I thought they did just enough different. Uh, like I said, the whole thing with the cave painters, even though it takes up a very small part of the movie, I appreciated what they did with it. I thought the cold open, you know, even though we don't get to see the death in the cold open, it's still a decent setup. And, you know, um, it does set up the bloody handprint that the kids mm -hmm. will see later on. So that that was kind of cool. Um, but like I said, yeah, the editing is just so unfortunate. Um, the performances are okay. I'm not going to say it's good acting, quote unquote, but it, you know, it wasn't so bad that it constantly took me out of it. Um, you know, there, there's some characters in there, Chad specifically, who are just whiny little bitches. Oh, and, I fucking hated him. Yeah. I wanted him to die first minute I seen him. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's so hard to get behind a character like that that just whines for an entire fucking oh, movie. Oh, my God. Like, with that oh. whole draw, the straw drawing scene, I'm like, why don't you just fucking kill him? 
Why? Did yeah, this, uh, everything why? about that character, his indecisiveness, his his inconsistent bravery. Like in some scenes, he'd be all brave and out in front, and then in other scenes, he'd be cowering in the background while the girl <laughs> fucking goes and does what he should be doing. So, yeah, like I said, the inconsistent personalities in this movie in general was a little kind of hard to take at times but yeah our main character is just such a little whiny douchebag that it's really really hard to get behind them and empathize with them and you know everything else so um i like the setup uh you know of the uh, character the one who knew what was going on because you know he had to deal with it earlier in the film yeah um his introduction was pretty cool he was probably one of the more likable characters in the movie i forgot the name of the character but he's an older gentleman uh, what's funny is that both of these movies have that same kind of character the older character who kind of knows what's going on showing up mm-hmm. later in the film so that's you know uh, that's a similarity there but um but like I said, our main character, just some, some of the worst decisions. I mean, he sat there and watched his girlfriend eat another human being and then still doesn't kill her. It's like, it's funny because I'll watch these movies with my wife and I'll look at my wife dead in the face and tell her, bitch, I will not take hesitate for a second to kill your ass if you attack me with those teeth oh. and those eyes. And then just the remember only... that. And the only time he fucking becomes heroic is when he sees the other dude, like, in fucking beast form fucking his girlfriend. Exactly. Like, was he it, fucking his mutant girlfriend, who's obviously <laughs> not your girlfriend anymore, but that pissed you <laughs> off. I just, ah, oh God. And, and actually, that scene in and of itself of the two possessed people fucking, uh, that took me out of it big time. I'm just, it looked like it was dry humping because they still had clothes on. It was so yeah, weird. Right. They were just doing the motions. They were going through the motions. I. It's like the guy knew that he wanted to do this thing with this girl, but because they were now possessed, they don't remember everything that they have to do, like getting undressed and getting an erection, blah, blah, blah. So they're literally just going through the motions. He's basically dry humping them. And, yeah, the fact that Chad suddenly grows, you know, um, grows some courage in that exact moment is just the weirdest moment. For him to, you know, suddenly develop courage. So, yeah. The movie has its shortcomings. It's not the worst thing out there. Like I said, I enjoyed it for the most part. Um, you know, certain performances that took me out of it. Certain decisions that took me out of it. But for the most part, we got some decent gore. I like the creature design on our first girl. Um, the guy who gets possessed, the, the asshole douchebag, whatever you want to go with, uh, his design didn't seem as inspired as the girl. It seems like they took more time with her design, but for whatever it's worth, I had a pretty good time with this movie. I will probably revisit it someday. Definitely not a priority. This isn't going to turn into an annual watch by any stretch, but yeah, um, it's, it's a good film with a lot of shortcomings and a lot of really simple things that they could have done to improve it, uh, both in screenwriting and, um, plot decisions. I, I feel like there were minor changes, tweaks that they could have made to really improve it, but you know, we got what we got and ultimately what we get is a halfway fun little, you know, um, kids reawakening an ancient evil type, uh, evil dead ripoff. You know, even though we don't get the cabin in the woods in this one, we still do get the kids in the woods. Uh, you know, the ancient cave, the ancient evil that they have reawakened. 
Uh, Some blah, blah, awkward blah. rape scene. Yeah, a very awkward rape scene, yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, overall, I would probably call this above average, average to above average. Um, uh, it's probably, it's still, sadly, it's still one of the better of the Evil Dead, you know, quote-unquote Evil Dead ripoffs that I kind of watched over the last couple of weeks. Um, I can but, agree yeah, with that. Yeah, definitely still has some shortcomings, and... This, I feel like, is a movie that's ripe for a remake. Even though it's only 10 years old, I feel like they, the filmmakers who made this maybe weren't as uh, adept, adept at filmmaking as somebody... Like, like if you give this movie, you know, like a Mike Flanagan or, you know, somebody like that, I think that they can really elevate this thing, you know, with a minimal budget, you know, not have to go all CG heavy and, you know, kill heavy by any stretch. But this is one that I, I would like to see this concept at least revisited. I don't so, know about so, you guys. I guess you know, I actually really do like the concept. It's just some of the ways that the story went hurt it for me. Compl- like I like the concept. I agree with you there. And I like, actually I do like the beginning scene a lot too. With like that, like you said, like the guy making that paint on the wall, it, it has a good setup and build up to it. It's just, some of I agree, like some of the character decisions and some of the editing just hurts it for me a lot. Yeah, no, that's that's valid. It's um, it, it's some stuff that I can get by get by sometimes, but when it's a lot, like like I said, the entire first action sequence with the girl after she's possessed, there are so many jump cuts that it makes it like hard to watch. I mean, it, it looks like an amateur action movie director. Trying to direct. I thought McGee was directing this. <laughs> McGee, exactly. Just, you know, the, the crazy edits, you know, not being able to follow characters. It's not nearly as bad as that. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I am, I'm just trying to convey what people are going to expect when they watch this. Yeah. So, um, so like I said, overall good, not great. Uh, could be greatly improved, though. With a, with a really good director and a really good screenwriter, I think a remake of this could really, really work. I, so I agree. Think. I think this is one that could be remade, and I don't think people would complain about it because it's it's fun. It's not great. There's definitely areas to improve on, especially that creature. Yeah. Like, what the fuck was that thing? I was going to just ask. What was that supposed to be? I and what was it doing to her? Like I, I was like, is it trying to go down on her? Is it trying to impregnate her? But she had shorts on, so it can't. I think it, like, I think it, I think it was because it. I think it did it to the other girls. We see. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. What the, I didn't get that whole subplot. Well, I don't think I was supposed to. Anyways, <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> that's then, the whole. Well, I yeah, that's the whole thing. It's like it didn't. It didn't feel like it was leading to like a creature resolution, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, so this whole creature is causing this, and it's just kind of what is living in this cave on its own, not being dis- like. It just felt like by introducing that creature, it brought up so many more questions than before. You were kind of just. You were kind of just going along with like, okay, there's some type of weird hauntedness in these woods that turns mm-hmm. things into like demon-like creatures. But then when we get the creature, it didn't seem like that would be what was behind everything going on. Well, yeah, was it like then, a giant leech? It was, was basically like a leech type thing with tentacles. Yeah, 
It's pretty uh, a worm. It looked kind of like an earthworm with tentacles. I guess is the best way I can put it. Do you guys remember the scene right after she escapes that thing when she's running through the tunnel? Do you remember yeah. how fucking awful that looked? That oh. scene is because I think it's CG. I don't think she's actually in that cave. If you look at the backgrounds, the way that she's running by them, it looks like she's not actually there. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be shocked either. It, was, it looked yeah. pretty bad. It, and then it, look, it looks like she makes this huge leap at the end of the cave, and then when it cuts to her falling out onto the land, it's like just right there. Like it was yep. barely even a ledge at all. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then even after... I mean, I, I understand that the, the slug thing is supposed to be the big bad of this movie. Ultimately, I think the blonde is the big bad because she's the one that... I mean, she's technically... She's the last one to die. Uh, spoiler. Um, and they... That final fight, uh, the the final fight between our final girl and the possessed blonde, way, way more entertaining than the fight with the slug. I mean, the fight with the slug was a chore to get through. Whereas that final scene, that fight, she throw, you know, she kicks her against the tree and breaks her back, and then she can't move, and then she crushes her head with that boulder. That fucking scene was great. A little yeah. bit of CG there with the boulder landing on her face and crushing her head. A little bit of CG there, but you know nothing, nothing that really takes you out of it. But I thought that was a way more satisfying ending than if they would have ended it with the slug. Because that fucking slug just brought the whole movie down. I thought, I thought Jabba the Hutt was here. Jesus ah! Christ. Misa want to have sex with you. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Misa, Misa fat and horny. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, uh, you guys got anything else you want to say about Primal? No, that was an experience. I, I definitely will check it out again down the line. Yeah. It's the, it's definitely one that I do want to check out again for sure. It was fun for what it was. I just had a lot of problems with it. I, yeah. I, you know, I try, to, I try to get more critical with this shit, Venom. You know, you know. I, I, you know, when you podcast for a long time, I, I don't think you can avoid it. I think we, 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 our critical eyes get more attuned to what we're watching and, you know, we get more opinionated, blah, blah, blah. I know I have. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Same with, same with me, Derek. I, I'll definitely see myself revisiting this. Um, maybe introducing it to someone else. I don't know that I would ever be sitting around and just be like, hey, I kind of want to watch Primal. You know, let's watch Primal stuff. again. Come on. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> but I mean, like I said, if I know somebody's an Evil Dead fan and they've never seen it, I could see introducing them to it. You know, if anything, just to see the cool ass creature design on the blonde, more, more so than the slug, anyway. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, Mike, anything else on Primal? I mean, I would. I would say it kind of perfectly fits in this kind of theme, you know, and if you, if people are looking to collect, collect up a bunch of movies that, you know, have not quite like an Evil Dead, but somewhat of, the, of a similar setup, you know, going into the woods and something bad, something crazy happens, I would, you know, make it part of your marathon and see where it, where it kind of falls amongst the ranks. Exactly, yeah. So that is Primal 2010. Now we're going to go ahead and move on to our second feature review of the night, and that is going to be Wither 2012 or 13. I forget the exact year. 2012. 2012. 
And Wither is a foreign film. It is directed by Sunny Laguna and Tommy Wickland. It is also written by Sunny Laguna and Tommy Wickland. It, like I said, it is from 2012 in in its original language, which is what German? What's the original Swedish. language? It's, it's Swedish. Swedish. It's Swedish. Swedish. Uh, so in the original Swedish language, the movie is called Vitra, V-I-T-T-R-A. The American uh, version is called Wither, and the synopsis is as follows. Ida and Albin are a happy couple. They set off to a cabin in the vast Swedish woodlands to have a fun holiday with their friends, but under the floorboards waits an evil from Sweden's dark past. Yes. <laughs> Let's go ahead and start with Derek. Uh, Derek, what did you think of Wither? I'm actually a huge fan of this movie. <laughs> I uh, First time I ever seen this is uh, I actually got this to review back in the day from Art Exploitation. Uh, they're the ones who put it out here in the States. And I was like, damn, you know, like the first time I ever revisited it, you know, it's, it's still a pretty great love letter to Evil Dead. You could tell that these two guys that made this movie love Evil Dead so much. that, And I like that they put their spin on it by adding Swedish mythology, because Vitra, as it's originally called, is actually a Swedish mythological creature that's involved in the movie. Right. And I like that aspect of it, where they actually put a little spin and adding their own culture's mythological things within it. Mm -hmm. It's very dark and brood and it has great horror atmosphere. Uh, these two directors would actually go on to make puppet master little strike. Nice. Yeah. And it's gory as all fuck. I love the gore in this movie. It's fucking awesome. In my opinion, I really dig the fuck out of this. I really like how it, it, it's kind of, it broads and strokes. It's a group of friends that go to have a party and, you know, they don't expect it. They're like, hey, Dad, can we have this house? And, you know, like, you know, this house is abandoned? Yeah, let's go there. And, you know, they have, like, that crazy Ralph guy that kind of connects to the cold opening of the movie, which I kind of like that aspect. Uh, they bring him back and stuff. It, it's kind of cool in that aspect. And it ends on kind of a dark, Evil Dead-esque OG way where it's not a happy ending. You know? Yeah, definitely not. You know, so I I dig it. I dig it. Nice. Uh, Mike, what do you got for Wither? All right, man. So out of the two movies, this is probably like, you know, darker, grittier. It might even be a lower budget, but I love the hell out of this one. Like, to me, when we're talking like, you know, Evil Dead ripoffs or even just Evil Dead inspired, I guess is a nicer way to put it. I thought, you know, as soon, once they show up and, you know, there's like almost like a fruit cellar door there. I'm like, OK, here, here we go. This is <laughs> this is going to be fun. I like the design. I like, uh, you know, what they did with the makeup. I, I thought, you know, the characters were pretty cool in this one. Um I love the setting. I just I'm I'm a sucker for like any cabin in the woods type movies where you know a group of friends go. The woods can be a scary place just by themselves, especially if you know you didn't grow up in that setting and you're off the grid and all that kind of stuff. You can put you in a precarious situation right off the bat. So you add in some news. I, I did kind of get a kick because wasn't it the dad of the, one of the characters that like said yeah the main character Alvin yeah Alvin. <laughs> Yeah, so stupid. Um, 
Well, I'll let you finish, Mike, because I got a lot to say about this movie. Yeah, well, I was like, so did the dad not know he had like a cellar in his cabin that led to caverns well, where an omen was hiding house, though. The yeah, dad he didn't own didn't it. Own that house. He just knew about it. He oh, knew that okay. it had been it was abandoned. part of his company. Yeah, it was part yeah. of like the company. You know, it was abandoned. <laughs> yeah, um, which I have a little bit of a problem with that storyline. I mean, are are kids really t- just going to go on a weekend trip far away from home to an abandoned house that might be there? And on top of the fact, you don't know if somebody's squatting in there. I mean, there could be a serial killer living in there. There could be a family of possum, whatever the case may be. The point is, I have a major problem with these kids that look like they're fairly affluent, like they have some money. They're they're not poor kids, in other words. I mean, they may not be rich kids, but they're not poor kids. And they're actually uh-huh. planning on going for the weekend to this cabin that they've never seen, and no one... Other than their fa- other than the main character's father saying that, oh yeah, it's there and it's abandoned. It's been abandoned for at least five years. It's like, would any of you plan a weekend around that information? I, well, I just, you could. Well, <laughs> that could go to the original Evil Dead too, because it's kind of the same setup. No, but at least one of them. It was one of their uncle's cabins, right? Not Ash, but the other guy, the blonde kid, because he was the one who knew where the key was. I think, didn't he say something like, this is my uncle's old hunting cabin? Or I I might be confusing movies, but I could swear that one of them, because like I said, they knew where the key was hidden. The one kid knew where the key was hidden. Um, So I always assumed, at least, that it was somebody, you know, uh, it belonged to a relative or something. But as this one, it's like, the house doesn't belong to anybody that anybody mm-hmm. knows of. It's just literally, oh, there's a house standing there. Why don't you go spend the weekend there? What? <laughs> that doesn't seem like something a responsible parent would tell their kid is is the thing I'm questioning. And, and it's a minor nitpick, mind you. I'm not railing against this movie by any stretch. Uh, Mike, were you done with your general thoughts? I'm sorry. Um, You know, I was just going to add the practical th- effects I thought were – done really well in the movie um there's a review that i said that that it features some of the best mud blood effects because there's a lot of mud too a lot of blood um yeah i feel like you know out of the out of the two movies i think this one even owes or even more to evil dead just because i think the format um is even more closely uh, you know outside of not having a necronomicon per se Mm -hmm. um but as far as like you know, showing up to the cabin and then someone gets possessed, I guess is what you would say, and then where it kind of goes from there. This one kind of felt like you know the Swedish Evil Dead, but I thought you know overall it was a good job. I I, I had a good time with it. Um, this one I only had a chance to watch once, but man, but I I still was was a fan. Okay, um, for me. Overall, I agree with everything Daryl, uh, Derek, excuse me, not Daryl, Derek and Mike, everything that they've said, I agree with, but I'm actually a little bit lower on this movie, I think, than they are. And it's one big reason, and it's something that we talked about earlier where Derek was saying that he doesn't really take it too much into consideration with horror films, and that's the acting. I'm sorry, but I think the acting in this movie is fucking god-awful. And I'm talking specifically about the first act. Just the character development. Like, where we're learning about these kids, uh, the ride up to the cabin, you know, um, 
when they go up there, the conversations that they're having, these are some of the most vapid, empty-headed kids I've ever seen. They have nothing valuable to say um, as far as their dialogue on the way there. Um, they're just setting up who's the douchebag, who's the nice girl, who's the slut, blah, blah, blah. And it just comes off as so formulaic that it actually takes me out of it after a while. Like by the, by the end of the first act, I don't care about any of these kids. I literally want them all to die. Um, and that's okay. Um, you know, uh, I, I, it's just, I, I, what's funny too, is that for years I used to think that I was kind of biased to foreign films and that I would watch a foreign horror film and not be able to pick out bad acting. Well, this movie proves that I'm not as bad as I think I am because even in a foreign language, the conversation between the four girls in the car on the way to the cabin is just infuriating. It's so bad. It, there's, it adds zero value to the film. So, you know, so that's the, that, that's going to be my major complaint about the movie is the acting. But like I said, I agree with pretty much everything Derek and Mike has said. We got some great practical effects. I love the ambiguous story. They give us a kind of backstory, basically saying that, you know, there's a Swedish myth about an entity that lives out in the woods. If you look into its eyes for too long, it will take your soul, which, you know, uh, take your soul uh, basically equals it will possess you. Uh, it possesses your body, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I like that. I wish there was a little bit more like, like what's funny is I'm as I'm watching this movie I'm like this is Evil Dead minus five in the set and I'm not talking about rating I'm talking about storytelling like even the Evil Dead for a 1981 movie at least introduced the Necronomicon they introduced the recording of uh you know the guy who found the Necronomicon so it gives us a little bit more explanation as to where these things come from and what's going on. Now, mind you, I have said it before and I'll say it many, many more times. I like ambiguity in my films. I don't need my storylines necessarily handed to me on a silver platter. But with this movie, I felt like it was the Evil Dead. Like, this movie is more solidly a Evil Dead clone than Primal is. They both really are to an extent, um, but this one more so because it follows the basic formula of the kids going out to a cabin, there's something in the cabin or at least in the woods, you know, that shouldn't be discovered, that should be left alone. Once again, an ancient evil, blah, blah, blah. So I like all the setup of this movie. Um, I like a lot of the camera work. Once again, you know, we have a beautiful locale out in the woods, so it's not hard to have good cinematography. There's some really nice shots in this movie. Um, but like I said, man, it's just the acting. It's the acting that kind of takes me out of it a lot of the times. Once once the horror ramps up, it gets better. Uh, you know, the, these these actors portray people that are scared a lot better than they do people that are douchebags. You know, I just I I I literally hated all seven characters uh, by the man. end of the first act. I did. Wow. I what that sucks too because. You know, one of the girls is set up to be just this innocent little cutie pie that unfortunately is the first victim of our evil. All the girls are attractive in their own way. You know, you've got various levels of, you know, cute and, you know, um, hot, whatever you want to go with, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, but yeah, it's just the acting really, really threw me. Any scenes where it's just the kids talking to each other, I, I just, you know, hate is a strong word. I don't want to say hate. But I disliked all of them. I, I just oh, so this like is they... like the Evil Dead remake for you. <laughs> oh, let's go with that. Because I, uh, I actually prefer this movie to the Evil Dead remake and ten times the levels because I even like the end of this one way more. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll get to that. But yeah, definitely, uh, like I said, the characterization in this movie just took me out of it. And obviously you're hearing Derek say that he has no problem with the characterization, and that's fine. To each his own. Some people are going to like it. Some people aren't. I've seen, you know, and we all have on this show, we've seen enough of these Cabin in the Wood type slashers that, you know, uh, we know what we like. You know, individually, we know what we're looking for in these types of films and what we like. And I'm not necessarily looking for stellar acting. I'm never looking for stellar acting in my horror films. All I'm looking for is believable characters, people that I can actually believe. The people in this movie, like I said, they're so, you know, the one douchebag guy who's set up to be a douchebag the instant he's on film. Uh, I, I, I think Simon was his name, um, the guy that had a little bit of long hair. He had a, Yeah, it was, the main, it was the main guy's girlfriend's brother. Exactly. Yeah, he just came off. And I know that's his character. I'm not necessarily blaming the individual actors because ultimately I've this is another statement I've made many times that I'll say again. I blame directors more for bad acting than the actors themselves because the directors are the ones that get the performances out of their actors. If a director deems someone a poor actor and they don't want him in the film, they can get rid of him. So if they kept him on the entire time, then obviously the director was okay with their acting. And, you know, sometimes, like I said, if I'm not as okay with the acting, I'm going to blame the director more than the actor because ultimately a professional actor knows how to act. You know, I mean... I'm not going to say that it's not hard. I don't know what it's like. It could be incredibly difficult. But the point is, is that it's not hard to find a decent actor anywhere in any of the 50 states, uh, in any country in this uh, planet of ours. You should be able to find some competent actors. But obviously, with independent film projects and lower budget projects, people are using friends, uh, acquaintances, <coughs> you know. Um, yeah, the original Night of the Living Dead famously was using George Romero's lawyers as uh, extra zombies in some of the zombie scenes because they couldn't pay enough people to be a part of the production. Um, so I understand that sometimes acting will suffer because of that, because of uh, low budget or whatever. And I'm willing to forgive it. I really am. But like I said, this entire first act, like the whole first half hour of the movie before anything scary whatsoever happens they are just setting up all these characters just to be fodder. Like, I, I literally just want to watch every single one of them die. I have no interest in any of them. And like I said, it's a personal nitpick, so don't take it as gospel. Don't take it as me saying the acting in this movie is flat-out bad. No. What I'm saying is that it didn't work for me. That's all. I, it took me out of it uh, during the first act, and, uh, you know, that's all I can say about the first act. But... Once we get to the second act, once our first girl is possessed and all the shit starts to hit the fan, as we say, I'm right on board with this movie. Um, at first, the handheld camera style was kind of bugging me, but as it is a cabin in the woods type movie with a lot of running and things like that, I can I can handle it so I can I can give it a pass. I would prefer more steady cam, but I understand independent film projects sometimes 
they can't get a dolly, so they have to do everything handheld, blah, blah, blah. I can forgive it. Uh, the editing in this film, much better than in Primal. You don't get a lot of the weird jump cuts that you're getting in Primal. At the same time, though, they're not necessarily trying to show these people once they're possessed as like superheroes that can jump 50 feet into the air and blah, 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 the way Primal was kind of setting up. So um, love the practical effects, uh, the mud blood that Mike was talking about. That's an absolutely valid term. That is a great way to put it. You know, that combination of dirt and blood just works out so well in certain movies. And this movie is no exception. The practical effects are fucking awesome. I did, I was a little disappointed how easy some people seem to die in this movie when they, I'm talking about the possessed people, like the, the, you know, uh, the cursed people. Did you notice how sometimes you could just stab them in the heart and they'd fall over? Uh, And then other times you'd have to blow a gigantic hole in their head uh, to get them to fall over. It's like it was a little inconsistent as far as the strength of these creatures. Well, technically, uh, they kept coming back up after you shoot them. They didn't just die because he ended up having the one girl in the third act. They literally stabbed her in the heart and she falls over. She didn't die. But she falls over, and then somebody's able to just shoot her in the head to finish it off. But I just remember thinking, for for possessed, you know, things, you know, that that are you know possessed by this ancient entity in this thing, I just thought they died a little too easy. Yeah. Uh, again, but it's a minor. That's what I like about it too, because it kind of reminds me of the original Evil Dead, where you see these creatures are still feeling pain because they were actual living creature people. Yeah, so. yeah. No, I'm totally okay with that part of it, but I just never felt like anybody died easy in The Evil Dead. And in this movie, not everybody, mind you, but there were a couple of instances of people going down really easy. Like, literally one stab to the to the chest, and that one girl fell over. I forget which girl it was, but it's, it's later in the film. It's one of the blondes. Oh, after she gets possessed, somebody stabs her in the heart, she falls over, and then they crush her head with something. I forget what. But um, like I said, aside from that, a really fun movie, um, good practical effects, really good storyline, even though it's a little bit on the ambiguous side. Like I said, they do bring up the Swedish mythology, but that's all they bring up. They just say, oh, there's a story that we grew up with of an ancient evil in the woods, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah the Vitra. Yeah, the Vitra. Um, but yeah, like I said, overall, you know, a, a fun movie. I would probably, I would probably be just as compelled to revisit this one as I am Primal. I feel like this one is a little bit better made um, as far as its effects, uh, its filmmaking, things like that. Its score, its score is definitely better. That, that I'll, uh, head and shoulders better than Primal. Agreed. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely better. Or the soundtrack, the setup, I feel, is really fun. Uh, the slow kind of, the first girl, you know, running into the entity, I thought they paced that really well. Like, they didn't do it right away the instant she got in the house. They did it a little bit later. I thought mm-hmm. that worked out well. On top of the fact that they even, I even thought they picked the right girl to be the first one possessed because they picked like the mousiest of the bunch, you know, the skinniest little timid girl of the bunch. And that's, that's a perfect contrast to make her the first monster of the film. I thought that was great. So, um, 
like I said, cinematography is all really good. Editing is really good. Uh, score. Um, like I said, as far as filmmaking goes, my major nitpick is going to be the quality of the actors, their line reading specifically, even though it's in a foreign language and I shouldn't be able to tell bad line readings from another in a language I don't understand. I was able to, so what are you going to do? But overall, um, I feel a lot uh, of the same things I felt with Primal. It's a fun movie. Like I said, I, like I already said, this one's a little bit better made, uh, better effects, uh, you know, better editing, uh, better cinematography, things like that. There are qualities that it has better over Primal. But then, you know, certain things with Primal, I still personally found enjoyable that we didn't get here. But like I said, minor nitpicks. I I feel like both movies this week were both pretty good. Um, you know, like I said, Wither is the slightly better made film. I think I enjoyed them both equally. Uh, Wither has better looking women, if that's something that people are looking for. <laughs> um, yeah, that um, the other brunette, the second brunette. Holy shit. The one that jumped into bed with the douchebag, yeah, she was uh, she was something else. Yeah, like, she got her lip ripped off. Oh yeah, lip bitten. Oh right. man, that was a great effect. Yeah, that, she jumped. That, she jumped at the chance to get with him right away. Oh god, yeah, he wasn't even. I mean, he was trying, but not nearly as hard as she was. I mean, she had her pants off before she got in that bedroom. It felt like she was all over him. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, again, they're setting up the, 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 the horror hierarchy, as I like to call it, you know, uh, which was disgusting cabin in the woods, you know, the slut, the good girl, the douchebag, the stoner, blah, blah, blah. Um, so we get a lot of that here, which, you know, is pretty much a staple of the horror genre, especially with these types of films, young people in the woods getting picked off one by one by an ancient evil, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. Overall, pretty good. Uh, anything else you guys want to say about Wither? Uh, uh, I, I really enjoy it, and I think I—I I don't know. It's—it's it's definitely. I get the lower budget, but this is also from the same guy who did Blood Runs Cold like a year before, and that movie's even way cheaper than this one, where it's like five thousand dollars was the budget of that one. Yeah, this one. Yeah, so it, it's a lower budget movie, and I got that. And you know, they went on to do big movies, and they actually actually worked on a remake of this movie that's coming out next year. I could I could accept a remake of this. I mean, I don't think this one is as flawed as Primal is, not by not by any stretch. But I I, I wouldn't say no to like an American remake of this. I mean, oh, it's not an it's not an American remake. Oh, it's another Swedish. They, they make, they're making an Indian version of this. Ooh, now, really? now I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. Bollywood style. I also forgot to mention, there are some great fucking kills in this movie. I, I, I've been railing about the acting and everything else, but the kills in this movie are so great. One of the nicest decapitations I've seen in years. Um, you know, where it's a slow saw. It's not like that samurai slash that knocks off someone's head. It's literally somebody with like a small hunting knife slowly cutting a girl's head off. I think that affected. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking and great. Even, even when the camera panned back and showed the headless body, that looked really good, too. Like it was a nice close up of the stub with blood coming out of it. It just looked really nice. Um, 
Yeah, there's multiple great kills in this movie. Um, a lot of them are slipping my mind right now, but yeah, I mean, they're oh the 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 head splat. Uh, the head splat was really good. <laughs> uh, uh, but this is, is another. Uh, that's one more thing I did want to bring up, though, is that this movie, much like Primal, has that one character that really, really bothered me. Now he didn't bother me because he was a whiny bitch, like the guy in the first movie. What fucking bothered me is he kept dropping his weapons. I counted no less than four fucking times in this movie. He would have a weapon in his hand. He would kill one, you know, possessed person and then drop the fucking weapon. I swear to God, I rewound and counted four fucking times. That is, and Mike can kind of um, talk to this, how much it fucking infuriates me when somebody gets through, they go through all this horror shit. They go through being attacked, having their friends killed, having their friends possessed, yet they will get the upper hand on one of the villains and drop the fucking weapon. And in one scene in this movie, the motherfucker has a sledgehammer. A sledgehammer, and it's the most effective weapon in the movie. It's literally a one-hit kill. He kill he he literally hits one of the possessed kids in the side of the head, and it breaks their fucking neck. Literally a one-hit kill. What does he do after he kills the one? Drops the fucking sledgehammer, and who attacks him? No less than five seconds later. <laughs> yeah, but then we wouldn't get that awesome scene where he shoots that dude in the face. Oh, that is valid. That is a, that was a great shot. But like I said, overall, I love the kills in this movie. Absolutely love the, uh, the 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 horror set pieces. I love the kills. I love the effects. But once again, you know, the main uh, male protagonist just bothers me to no end. Like I said, a whiner in the first movie, a weapon dropper in this one. I don't know. <laughs> I honestly, what bothers me more, a weapon dropper or a whiner? Because I think at least the whiner is more believable. Oh, no, fuck the whiner. He could fucking die. Because the weapon dropper kind of reminds me of the Ash character in the original, too. I'll give you that. I absolutely... We need a a spreadsheet for, like, Venom's categories of characters. (laughs) The weapon... (laughs) Dude, the weapon droppers forever will bother me because I've said it before and I'll say it again. When you get the upper hand on a villain, I don't care if it's a monster, a human, a fucking dog, I don't give a shit. If you get the upper hand on a villain and you've got a weapon in your hand, you bash their goddamn skull in until you see brain. When you see brain matter, that's when you can stop swinging. I am so sick of these kids going through... I mean, think about everything the guy, the main guy in this movie went through. Watching his friends get possessed, watching them kill each other. What, you know, he uh, he decapitated one of his friends, blah, blah, blah. Like everything that he went through, yet he continuously drops his weapon after he uses it on one person. So, yeah, that's that's a choice that will always bother me. It just it does, in what world does someone drop a sledgehammer? I mean, it's it's the greatest weapon in this movie, and he fucking uses it once. Uh. <laughs> okay, I've vented enough, I think. <laughs> yeah, the sledgehammer always makes for a good time. 
Oh, I mean, what a great weapon. I mean, because you don't even have to be strong. As long as you can hold it up, the sledgehammer does the Yeah, but it, it technically looked like he wasn't very good at holding it up. Either. No, no, you're right, but he did use it effectively. Hold it up and let gravity do the rest. <laughs> you know, he killed that one. He knocked its head off. It's practically off its shoulders. It broke its neck. And then he drops it instantly. I'm sorry, but there will never, ever be a director or a horror movie podcaster that will ever be able to explain that away. I don't give a shit. If if I ever end up in a situation like this, in a horror situation, you will have to pry that weapon out of my cold, dead fucking hands. I will not drop it for a week. <laughs> I don't care if the police... You know- come through they've already picked up all the bodies they've already dragged the killer away i am holding on to that goddamn weapon for a week minimum mike you know what this movie is missing that venom didn't like a macgyver defibrillator scene (laughs) (laughs) yeah there is oh no that was the last movie i'm sorry the last movie was the one that had that little trap building montage instead of raining blood this one almost started raining mud yeah, that would have been a good I'm okay with that. That probably looks nice on camera. But yeah, um, you know, like I said, overall, both movies enjoyable. You know, one is better made than the other, but I think they both had fairly close to equal levels of enjoyment, gore. Well, the gore is better in Wither, but um, I think overall what I'm trying to say is I think I liked Wither a little bit more, even though I was kind of leaning towards Primal as I watched them. Until I told, until we got angry together, with it, we kind of connected. <laughs> Our anger connects us. I like that. Uh, so yeah, that's it from me, Mike. Anything else? Um, let me see. No, not really. I mean, I don't have much to add. I, it's another one that's like, I would say same thing about the other movie. You know, if you're looking for this type, if if you've got Evil Dead on the mind, but you don't want to watch Evil Dead itself, throw this one on as well. Wither, man. And then maybe one day, if it gets a cult status, we'll get Wither too. Wither by Dawn. We're, we're, getting an Indi- we're getting an Indian remake, so that's cool. It's from directed by the same directors, too. That's kind of weird. Really? That's yeah. odd. Yeah. That's kind I of mean, awesome. I'm excited, I, but it's still odd. I'm, I'm curious to see what they produce. Uh, I mean, obviously, if it's set in India, then it's probably going to be very, you know, Indian-centric. You know, a lot of maybe, uh, you know, a lot of Indian actors, things like that. So, I'm looking forward. It's got the most generic name, though, Haunted Evil Dead. Oh. It it sounds like a Bollywood movie. (laughs) That's true. And and for whatever it's worth, I'm okay with the song and dance breaking out in my horror movies every now and then. And I love Puppet Master <laughs> Little Us Reich. So the- oh, that movie was great. It's probably on my second favorite Puppet Master movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was easily one of the better ones. Yeah. All right. What do you say we wrap this one up, Mike? Yeah, let's do it, man. 2020, It's it's been a year. That's That's for sure. Um, anyone that listens to the main, or I was going to say the main show, the, this is uh, the main show, but <laughs> anyone listens to the sister cast, fresh cuts, we will be doing our 2020 top 10 in about a week and a half. So, uh, before we get out of here though, let's, uh, find out what our hosts have going on. Venom, where should people be listening to you? 
Um, not a lot new over the last couple of weeks that doesn't involve No More Room in Hell. Um, obviously, Fresh Cuts, we've been pretty steady with one a week um, uh, up to last week. Uh, we're obviously taking this week off from Fresh Cuts so that we can finalize our top ten lists and record that show uh, in the first week of January. Um, on the latest episode of Fresh Cuts, uh, what did we look at? That was Some Ill, can, Final can, Contagion? Yeah, that Contagion movie that looked like... Yep, the anthology, the uh, the Contagion foreign, uh, the, uh, what do you call it, anthology horror film. Yeah, uh, that was on the last episode of Fresh Cuts. That's available now on the Dark Discussions podcast network. Uh, you can also hear Derek and myself on the return of underwater kaiju from outer space. Uh, we finally were able to get together and record an episode where we talked about my favorite uh, Godzilla movie of the Heisei era, and that is, of course, Godzilla versus Destaroya. Um, and we continued our retrospective of the Ultraman series. Uh, look for Underwater Kaiju to go back uh, to more steady episodes once a month now that, you know, everybody is kind of taking care of their life issues for now anyway. So, yeah, look out for wood. Yeah, knock on wood. Uh, you can find that on the Legion Podcast Network. And if you're looking for the show specifically, you can subscribe to the Kill the Cast podcast feed. Our show, uh, Underwater Kaiju, technically is a Kill the Cast sidecast, so check that out. Um, on In the Mic of Madness, we will be recording our final episode of 2020 this week. Uh, we will finally be putting the finishing touches on the Frank Hennen Lauder retrospective. I feel like I've been saying that for six months, but it looks like finally it's going to happen. We're going to do the um, basket case two and three. Uh, the latest episode of the show that's available now is, of course, basket case one, where we uh, finally uh, were able to look at Frank Hennen Lauder's first film and had a blast talking about that and talking about old New York and everything else. Uh, so look for that on the Prescribed Films Podcast Network and look for our final episode um, of 2020 on the same Prescribed Films Podcast Network probably sometime next week as you're listening to this episode. On It's Not Horror Okay, uh, another show that is currently on hiatus for the new year. Um, we, our last episode, I believe was three, two or three weeks ago where we looked at, uh, the Hulk Hogan classic, uh, no holds barred. <laughs> um, yeah, spoiler alert. I hated it, but that's another story. <laughs> um, so yeah, look out for that. That's also available on the dark discussions podcast network. That is of course, it's not horror. Okay. Um, and then the last thing I'll talk about is a guest spot I did on Cut to the Chase with Dan and Lacey Liu. We talked about one of my favorite Christmas films ever, if you consider it a Christmas film, because I know a lot of people don't. And that would be Tim Burton's Edward Scissorhands. Absolutely love the film. So check out our retrospective on, I think, the third episode of Cut to the Chase Miss or 12 Days of Chase Miss or whatever they called it this year. It's episode three of that. That is available on the Dark Discussions Podcast mm -hmm. Network. And other than that, that's it from me. Uh, uh, before we And before we move on to Derek and Mike, I just want to say 
Happy New Year to everyone. Mer I hope you had great Christmases. I know 2020 absolutely sucked, but there was still some great stuff, um, you know, both in the horror community and just on television and cinema in general. So even though it was a hard year, I hope to I hope 2021 bounces the theater industry back into place, back where it should be. And I hope that you all have a great new year. Be safe. Wash your hands. Wear your goddamn masks when you go out. And just be safe because Mr. Venom loves you. So that's it from me, guys. All right. Derek, what do you got out there that everyone should be hearing? I don't have as much as that, but I'll keep it nice and short. This <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cinema Attack... Bad uh, Santa Claus show. That's about it. The guest spot on Cut to the Chase. I did the first episode of the 12 Days of Chasemus, where I looked at Bad Santa 1 and 2. And I have a few other shows that are not released yet, which I did guest spots on, and they're not out yet. But that's about it. And, like, Underwater Kaiju. That's about it for me, Mike. I'm the suit of fit starting to kick in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that, yeah, I did actually did a guest spot this past week for the Chase Miss Christmas series. Um, I don't believe this one is considered like one of the 12 days or whatever. It's kind of like an offshoot of it. We did a commentary for the comedy uh, Just Friends, which is one of those like borderline Christmas movies that it takes place. Doesn't Ryan Reynolds look like me in the beginning? <laughs> I swear by the moon of my early life. It's funny, but, I've never seen that movie, but I know what you're talking about. I remember the trick. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we uh, we did a commentary. Uh, that was a bunch of fun. It, I, I really like that movie, so I, I think I talked to them not about doing a commentary, but we had talked about the movie before, just in general conversation. So when they decided to do that, they hit me up, and luckily I was able because I think. I, I we did it the day Lacey messaged me and she was like, uh, can you do it? I was like, when? Tonight. Um, I think. And then it worked out. So uh, that's all I got out there right now besides our regular stuff. And like already mentioned, top 10 coming soon uh, for Fresh Cuts. That should be a fun show. Yeah, and then after that, guests. my picks. Ooh. Yes, Derek, the rotation is Back to you. I I don't know if you have any idea yet what you want to pick, but it's going to be a new year, so brand new slate. Uh, so yeah. I'm sure you'll cook I'm up still something. Thinking of some great. ideas, so I'll let you guys know. <laughs> cool. Well, with that said, uh, let's. I guess it's time to close the uh, book of evil on 2020 and descend back to the lake of fire. So, listeners, thanks for uh, another year of listening to the show. We will catch you in the new year. And stay away from those slug monsters, because they might try to take <laughs> your pants off. And Venom, what should people not drop? Your pants? Pants and weapons. Keep both your pants and weapons in your hand, for God's sakes. <laughs> and with that, we're out of here. Happy New Year, folks. Hail Satan. Peace.